and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. It is Friday, uh, February, <laughs> February, not Friday, February, Sunday, the 15th, day after Valentine's Day, which was not so sweet for a lot of Division Three basketball teams, especially on the men's side. It's been a common theme this year. Men's basketball has been wacky. Men's basketball is wacky. It's nuts. It's been absolutely insane this season. And lo and behold, here we are again with an insane basketball season, uh, an insane week. We talked about Wednesday, how crazy it was on, on Wednesday when we talked about it on the show Thursday. Well, here we are again, and lo and behold, we're talking about the fact that it's crazy. This is just a theme. <laughs> I just don't know what to tell you. St. Thomas lost. Marietta lost again. Who will be number one on the men's side is a... We talked about it a couple months ago when Chicago and... I think it was Chicago and Wash U played. Or no, Illinois Wesleyan and Wash U played. That if Illinois Wesleyan beat Wash U, you could argue four or five teams for number one. We talked a couple weeks ago. That there was an argument for a couple teams if so-and-so lost. We are now there. Number one, number two, number three, all lost. All lost in the men's basketball top 25. Number four got, got through. Virginia Wesleyan lost this week. Number six, Albertus Magnus is still Hasn't lost in a while since near the beginning of the season. St. Norbert hasn't lost. They've won 41 straight conference games. Babson didn't lose. Dickinson lost and then beat Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins lost. They're 10. Augustana won both games. Stevens Point won. WPI's won. Wash U split the weekend yet again. Though losing to Emory and at least beating Rochester... St. Olaf is still winning. Catholic is still winning, though Catholic didn't play this weekend. St. John Fisher is still winning. Chapman lost again. Richard Stockton lost again. Emory won both. Whitworth, at least back into the winning ways. William Patterson lost again. Ohio Wesleyan continues to win. Illinois Wesleyan lost twice to Augustana on Wednesday, and then North Park who I think each of the last four or six weeks has beaten a ranked team on a Saturday. Elmers continues to win. In the receiving votes column, Franklin and Marshall is winning. Worcester's back to winning. NYU's back to winning. Eastern Connecticut's back to winning. Penn State Barron still hasn't lost in a while. Scranton lost to Susquehanna on Wednesday, as we talked about. Amherst lost today to Middlebury. Chicago Lost to Emory. On the road, of course. Bates lost this week. Trinity Connecticut, I think, continued to win. North Central lost this week. Center continues to win. MIT lost at least once, if not twice. Cal Lutheran lost. Clarkson, I think, Cal Lutheran lost. Rhode Island College lost. It's nuts. It's pure nuts. In the top 25. Just pure, unadulterated Nuts. Trying to get to a uh, 
tweet that we were supposed to have sent out. Apparently, uh, we're having a little trouble with that. We'll get to that and get that tweet out here in a bit. Um, if you have any questions for us, d3hoopsville.com is your Twitter account. Your So d3hoopsville. Uh, is your uh, hashtag hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Apparently, it may have been sent after all. Going back to our tweets. I have not seen it. We'll get a tweet out here momentarily that the show is on the air. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. There's got to be questions out there, and we'd love to hear from you. Plenty to talk about in Division Three. Time is running out. That is the theme of our show tonight. Time is running out. We have pretty much, for most schools, a week left in the regular season. Teams like the NESCAC, schools like um, oh, out in the Midwest is the NACC, are, are wrapped up, and conference action will start next weekend in conference tournament action, I should say. For most schools, this is the last week before you you know to solidify conference standings and get ready for the conference tournament, which starts the following week. Of course, the UAA does not have a conference tournament. They still have three games left on their schedules, two next week and one the following week, that we should point out that Brandeis and Case Western Reserve will be playing tomorrow in a rare Monday game in the UAA as it was just a little bit too blizzardy, as it were. A little bit too much of a blizzard in the Northeast <laughs> yet again. By the way... Early week storm scheduled for the South and Mid-Atlantic regions for the first time this season. I am amazed that the Northeast has not had more games postponed this year in significant fashion to the fact that we're backed up on games now. I'm not saying we certainly aren't and we certainly haven't dealt with them, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more. We could get a little bit of that here if the storm times itself wrong through the South and Mid-Atlantic regions. And, of course, if it hangs the coast and goes up in the Northeast, there's going to be more delays there. Ill-timed, to say the least. But back to the top 25 in the men's basketball action. Absolutely insane how crazy it has been in the top 25 this season and across Division Three basketball in general. But it is certainly insane yet again as we're going to be voting for a new number one. And here's my sheet cheats that we get i've already started working on my top 25 that's my list from last week and then relevant data and that is overall record how they did this week any notations on who they may or may not have lost to or who they beat and then an sos number next to them here's the 26 pages that we received in the email from pat 26 pages because unlike what we normally get we usually get like two three maybe four weeks of results here so you'll see here maybe if you can see close enough, here is a whitewater listed right here. We would get two or three results here, and then on the bottom we would say who they've lost to and the result of that game. We actually have all their games listed. Why? There is a huge debate as to who is going to be number one. Let's be honest. Top 25 this week, number one, Whitewater lost. Number two, St. Thomas lost. Number three, Marietta lost twice. 
Number five, Virginia Wesleyan lost. Dickinson lost. Hopkins lost. Washu lost. Chapman, Richard, Stockton. William Patterson lost twice. Illinois Wesleyan lost twice. In the top three, everybody lost in a total of four games. Does that mean Randolph-Macon becomes number one? Well, no, not necessarily. The same, maybe, maybe Whitewater stays number one. Maybe St. Thomas gains some first-place votes and becomes number one despite a loss. Marietta? Well, you never know. Maybe they stay in the third rank. Or get, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get number one with two losses. Randolph-Macon's 21-2 and two and hasn't lost in a, number, in a long time. They haven't lost since they lost to Frostburg State, which actually gets you into the question, does, does Randolph-Macon become the number one team having lost to, Rand, to Frostburg State? Does Albertus Magnus pick up from first place votes here? What about St. Norbert? Both of them have low SOS numbers. Albertus Magnus has an SOS of a 475, and then St. Norbert's got a 498. I'm not saying SOS is a criteria. I'm just saying that tells you what their schedule is and their conference. Does that indicate that they get first place votes for that? Maybe. Does Babson get a first place vote? You can make arguments for five or six teams to get first place votes. Who knows what the top 25 voters are going to do? But you have a lot of questions out there. It is insane this year. Absolutely insane. Top 25, incredibly crazy in Division Three basketball this season. I, and I and 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 regional rankings are going to be crazy this season as a result too because so many teams are taking losses, you know, head to head and and results versus common opponents and results versus regionally ranked opponents are going to be huge this coming season or the, this coming week. Speaking of which, regional rankings, as I last heard, will not come out until Thursday. That's because over the weekend, the servers for the NCAA were taken offline and upgraded. Now, they were supposed to be offline until today. They actually, according to reports, got back up and running yesterday afternoon. Conceivably, that means everything now shifts back to schedule because, sure, it, the, the, the data will be there for Monday when they didn't think it would be there on Monday at all. They thought they'd be inputting the data on Monday. Who knows? Now, I will also say it might be that the staff doesn't come in until Monday anyway to input the data. I don't know how it's working behind the scenes at the NCAA. What I will tell you is we've asked to see if things will shift back. The other problem is do you now change all your conference calls after you just had all these coaches and administrators set up their schedule for the week? I don't know if you can ratchet back to the original schedule or not. You might be able to. But right now, regional rankings will not come out until Thursday due to what was expected to be a couple-day delay at NCAA headquarters over the weekend. We have sent in, uh, an email to the NCAA to find out the answer to that. Um, we will let you know if anything changes. But as of now, regional rankings for this week, through games through Sunday today, will come out on Thursday. By the way, UAA, thanks to Chicago losing... And Emory and NYU winning, it's a three-way tie for first place. It's nuts. Chicago needs an AQ most likely to get into the NCAA tournament, I think. Doesn't mean they may not have a data and, and the advantage or the ability to get in as an AQ, but they're certainly putting it on the line, as it were. We'll see how it all translates. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. 
We are just putting in the information of the show on Twitter, since apparently what we set up did not get set right as we hoped it would. So we're doing that. Forgive the delay. This is what happens when you have a one-man band doing the entire thing. Uh, you can also Facebook us, Hoopsville, at d3hoops.com uh, slash Hoopsville. Of course, it's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen if you happen to be watching us. Um, I know a lot of you have tuned in to, this, to our show on SoundCloud. We certainly appreciate that. Um, that's our podcast when we're all done uh, with the show. Um, and so people who can't watch the show can listen to it, as it were. Uh, on the flip side of that, let me uh, point out the fact that it is available on iTunes. I'd love to give you a link. I can't even find it. I just know the link's working because it's been downloading on my, uh, on my iTunes account. We'll work on that in the future. But if you're on iTunes and happen to look us up, Hoopsville Podcast, uh, do so and you will find us and hopefully get to enjoy the show that way as well. Podcast certainly been popular. I'm sorry it took us so long to get it up and running. Let's talk about guests coming up here on the show tonight. We'll talk about time running out. We'll talk. We'll get a central region report from d3hoops.com writer Josh um, <laughs> Josh uh, Smith. <laughs> Can't believe I forgot his last name. Apologize, Josh. He'll come up here shortly to talk about the central region, especially the Wyack and CCIW. Then we'll jump into some women's basketball action in the Atlantic region. We'll talk to Baruch interim head coach Kellyanne Barrett. We'll also talk to Mass Dartmouth women's basketball coach Matt uh, Ducharme, I believe, but we'll double-check how to say his last name correctly. We'll then jump into the South, talk to East Texas Baptist men's basketball coach Burt West, East, ha pa East, Baptist, East Texas Baptist, easy for me to say, is on top of the ASC. We'll talk to him about the significance of that. And then we'll jump out to the West region for our, NA for our NABC Coaches Corner segment with Buena Vista men's basketball coach Brian Van Haften. Try to get him on the show Thursday. Miscommunication on my part. Uh, we were unable to have him on, but we'll get him on here tonight. Talk to him about his Beavers squad and how they are doing. That's all coming up here on the show. And we will look back at the three-year anniversary of the Corey Weissman story. If you're not familiar with the Corey Weissman story, you should be. It's one of the best displays of sportsmanship and overcoming odds that we've had in Division Three, and we've had quite a few. Lauren Hill comes to mind this year. We'll talk about the Corey Weissman story later in the show. And don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising project. We certainly hope you will not forget about it. We have about two weeks left to go in the campaign. We are trying to raise at least $5,000, though I made a promise to those in the Sky Act that if we raised $7,500, I would carve away some of that money to make sure we took a trip to Southern California next year to go see some Sky Act basketball. So please consider helping us be able to do that, because to be honest with you, it's hard to take it out of our own pocket. This, this does not pay, as it were. So help us cover Division Three like it deserves to be covered. Help us with the Hoopsville fundraising project. We are a quarter of the way to our goal from last year and only halfway to our goal this year. We certainly hope you will take the time to look at us, as it were. Um, we will tweet out some of that during the show. It's through Indiegogo. You can always look it up that way as well. I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O -I -I -E -E is your website. Um, so plenty of time. Time is running out, as we point out, again. Um, regional rankings will come out this week, most likely on Thursday, unless something changes. We'll give you a better sense of th where things are. And remember, regional rankings will shift this week more dramatically 
not only because of results that are coming in and SOSs that are still adjusting, but also now results versus regionally ranked opponents is in play. It is now in the system. And so that will change some of the results. By the way, quick note, if you'll notice over my shoulder here, we changed our shirts again. Have a Nichols Athletics t-shirt hanging in the background. That's Olivet, though you can't really read it that well, and that's Hope in the corner. Nichols found out that we were accepting paraphernalia, t-shirts and the like, and they sent us one after last week's show. Happy to have them over our shoulder. Also wearing a Carthage women's basketball shirt. Reminder, you can get us to wear your shirt if a donation is made to the Hoopsville Fundraising Project or if your school so chooses to send us some paraphernalia, whether it be a shirt or something else. We always point this out because we think it's cool. Wheaton Women's Basketball, Wheaton of Massachusetts Women's Basketball, they sent us a basketball rim, a little tiny fun basketball rim. We hang right there in the backdrop over my shoulder, one of the cooler moment that we have gotten by the way we also wear d3 shirts on our yd3 show that came out five days ago if you missed it go to d3sports.com slash yd3 show you'll catch up on the latest edition of that show and we will be working in the next two weeks to get out the next edition of the show as well if you have any questions for us tweet us at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. And, of course, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Going to take a break. When we come back, Central Region Basketball is the topic at hand. That crazy WIAC, Stevens Point in Wisconsin, Whitewater, how are they lined up? to host the uh, the conference tournament, understanding the breakdown there. And we'll also uh, look at the CCIW. That's all ahead with our central region writer and, of course, west region writer as well, Josh Smith, here on Hoopsville. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, Josh Smith ahead. We'll also then jump into some women's basketball, Baruch women's basketball Interim head coach Kellyanne Barrett and Mass Dartmouth women's basketball coach will join us here on the show coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student-athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. 
It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on Friday, or Friday, Sunday, the 15th is what I'm trying to say here, of February. Of course, two weeks left in the regular season. Pretty much, for the for the most part, last week of uh, conference tournaments, for our conference regular seasons for everybody. Some conference tournaments will get going here uh, this coming week, but most, most teams will finish up their conference schedules this week and have conference tournaments the following week. So really, we're looking at the last scheduled part of the season here this coming week lots to talk about we can't get it all covered on the show but we certainly make our efforts to do so and sometimes that means we bring in some regional reporters uh, if you have questions for us tweet us at d3 hoops or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3 hoops.com or join us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville uh one of those regional reporters would be uh josh smith who writes for d3 hoops.com as a regional reporter and so we figured he may have the best pulse on the central region so we bring in josh to join us here on the hoopsville hotline josh thanks for joining me sir Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, uh, it's been a heck of a season, especially in the central region, um, where some indications are that we may go off the regional ranking board a little bit to select some at-large teams just because it is so competitive. From your vantage point, what have you seen from this region? Well, I guess the short answer is, Dave, I've seen a lot of really, really good basketball teams. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're coming from a number of different conferences, some that are, uh, you know, kind of regular powerhouses, so to speak, uh, in terms of just those regular usual suspects in terms of strong conferences. And then some other ones coming out of smaller conferences as well. And, but basically across the board, there's some very, very competitive basketball taking place, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon with conference tournaments and NCAA tournament play coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the most fascinating race would definitely be in the WIAC, the WIAC men's side of things, and you know, had the rematch, as it were, of a big game uh, just the other day on Wednesday between uh, Stevens Point and Whitewater. Of course, Whitewater got the win earlier this season. Stevens Point repaid the favor, as it were. Uh, the two of them are essentially tied atop the conference standings now uh, in what could, would, well, well, we'll talk ramifications down the road, but how important was that win for Stevens Point? Well, very important. Uh, the first point is that they are now half a game ahead of Whitewater in the conference standings, and even though it's just a two-team race there, um, Platteville is a, and River Falls are a distant third at eight and six in conference play there. So Stevens Point at fourteen and one, and Whitewater at thirteen and one. Obviously, Stevens Point has that half game advantage, and it puts the pressure on the Warhawks to uh, kind of to finish up their season with two wins, one on Wednesday and one on Saturday, to remain tied for first. Whereas Stevens Point only needs to win one more time. Still have a bye on Wednesday and then wrap things up on Saturday. So um, either way, both teams just have that one loss in the uh, column there. But Stevens Point kind of gets the head start by getting that extra win. 
and it does put a little bit more pressure on Whitewater than to finish strong. If they stumble, that means, uh, you know, landing in that number two spot and having to go on the road to play Stevens Point a second time possibly in the conference tournament. Well, and what's fascinating, too, and we'll get to that in just a minute, is the fact that Whitewater certainly has been carrying the mantle of the WIAC this year. The defending national champs have been in the top five for the most part, I think, the entire season, have been in out of number one, of course, uh, sitting at number one as we speak. Whether they stay number one is is certainly up in the air with how many teams have lost this week. Uh, we'll see where the top 25 voters or what they decide when it comes down to rankings. But more importantly... Um, Stevens Point, who I think a lot of people were trying to figure out how good a season they may have, stay in the fray. Um, and both teams, as you point out, have won all their games except against each other. This, this, this at least allows Stevens Point to maybe control a little bit more of the destiny, as you alluded to. Yeah, definitely it does. And and when you talk about you know people trying to figure out who Stevens Point is, you can kind of count me in that company. Um, it's interesting what seeing these two matchups this season between Stevens Point and Whitewater. Whitewater won the first matchup at their court, but they they won when Stevens Point was without Stephen Pelkoffer, who was out that game with an injury. Then they go up to Stevens Point. Stevens Point wins on their home court, but they play against a Whitewater team that doesn't have K.J. Evans, who was away on a family function. So we haven't seen these two teams match up at full strength yet and um, I think if they are able to do that in the conference tournament it could make for uh, just a whale of a game (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right fascinating that both teams have had to play with somebody kind of sitting out as it were Um, and and it leads to plenty of questions as you allude to but let's let's look at the elephant in the room if these two teams stay tied um, at least head-to-head, they're pretty much even. If they've beaten everybody else, that takes out that side of what is usually conference um, tiebreaker determinations. You've looked at it even further, and I've seen it on the boards. Essentially, this could come down to a, a, the the always not-so-wanted-to-use coin flip. Yeah, there's a, a number of tie-breaking scenarios in the WIAC to determine the seeding in the conference tournament. As you mentioned, that head-to-head um, record is the first one, so that's straightforward. If one team sweeps the other, they get the, the higher seed. The next criteria goes to your win-loss record against teams higher than you in the standings. With these two teams being tied at the top of the conference, that's not applicable to these two. So then you go to their record versus teams in the conference in descending order from top to bottom, but because they've only lost to one another head-to-head, you throw that one out the window. And then you go to the team with the best road record in conference play, and they both will, if they win out, just have one road loss in the conference. So that gets us to the fifth uh, criteria, and that is just simply a coin toss conducted by the WIAC commissioner. The winner of the coin toss gets the number one seed and uh, home court advantage throughout the conference tournament as long as they win. And given how the first two games in this series have played out, I think that home court advantage could be a very valuable asset to have. I was going to say it could be a valuable asset. It could also come back to haunt a team. You almost uh, want to root against that coin flip. Any favorites on who wins the coin flip, Josh, just to have a little fun with it? Oh, I 
let's say Stevens Point. Very right? good. I'll get, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, obviously not the easiest thing to answer. Uh, who knows who wins a coin flip, as it were. Better than some other right. systems, though, out there. I, I'm certainly familiar with other systems uh, which have included a uh, predetermined uh, numerical order of things at the beginning of the entire academic season, but we won't go into that. Certainly on the men's side, fascinating. That's certainly been the, the, the crux. You kind of hit on it, though, too. This is this is a conference that, you know, we haven't had an understanding truly of who Stevens Point is this year. Whitewater, I think, certainly we knew would have some flaws this year after losing uh, quite a bit of talent, but certainly returning a lot from their championship. Can a Plattsburgh, can somebody else maybe sneak up and surprise in this conference? There have been some tight games, or is this really a two-headed race and probably just a two-pick two conference? Well, what I'll say is that having covered the WIAC for a number of years, it has always been a league that's competitive throughout. And even though we, when you have a season like we do now where two teams are clearly above the rest in terms of record, you can't you really can't sleep on teams once you get into conference play. Mm-hmm. There's there's been plenty of upsets along the way and if you don't take a team seriously, they can certainly jump up and bite you. You mentioned uh Platteville, um they're sitting in uh tie for third place right now with River Falls. They had Whitewater against the ropes uh, a couple weeks ago and Cordell Young uh, happened to hit a game winner to give him that lead. Um, I know Young had to hit a, a game winner against Eau Claire, who's uh, six and eight in conference play, but uh, Whitewater had to squeak by when they played up there as well. So there's certainly going to be some competitive games along the way, and you can't overlook those teams. Now, I don't think uh, Pat Miller or Bob Semling are the type of coaches who. Uh, let their players get into that position very often. I, they're usually uh, two pretty pretty prepared teams as they come into uh, big games, particularly in the postseason. Uh, talking to Josh Smith here, uh, D3Hoops.com regional writer, of course, giving us a central region look at things. Don't want to focus on the WIAC 2 match quickly to throw you a curveball. Not sure if you're ready. WIAC women, certainly fascinating race with Superior and Oshkosh. Um, leading the charge, as it were, course, superiors last year in the conference, um, but still a pretty competitive race, and you never know about the Stevens points and the likes in that conference either. Yeah, absolutely. With Superior beating Oshkosh this week, they split the season series now. Um, they're both 11-3 and in conference play and tied for first. I, I guess the team that intrigues me, though, is Eau Claire sitting in third at 9-5. and They've beaten both of those teams along the way, uh, during the conference schedule here. So I think that uh, the women's tournament in the WIAC is really one of those that could be up in the air. Oshkosh and Superior seem pretty well matched, and Eau Claire uh, certainly can't be overlooked there. Um, before we jump back onto the men's side of things, anything else on the women's side in the central region? Wash U, by the way, losing today on the road at Rochester uh, certainly jumps out. Anything else jump out of you on the women's side of things? Um, well, there's a, a couple of interesting matchups in terms of regular season conference races going on. Maybe not necessarily, um, you know, real high profile games nationwide, but in the Iowa conference, um, Luther and Dubuque have been kind of battling it out for first place. They're going to meet head to head on Saturday, uh, which could be, uh, ultimately a conference uh, regular season championship game there. Um, 
Mississippi elsewhere. I know the St. Norbert's uh, women, uh, they've been cruising. They, uh, they've won six in a row. Uh, St. Thomas looks pretty strong in Minnesota. George Fox, uh, with a couple of nice road wins this week. Um, look, they're, they look to be in control in the Northwest. And, uh, an interesting matchup down in Southern California is Claremont Mud Scripps and, uh, Cal Lutheran are set to, uh, face off on Saturday. Cal Lutheran, uh, not quite out of it yet, but, uh, they'll need some help if they want to, uh, pull into a first place tie with the Athenas down that way. Yeah, definitely going to need some help to be sure. Let's jump back on the men's side. CCIW certainly is another topic of conversation. Uh, It has been a crazy season, as it always is. Just when you think you've picked a favorite who may may be able to rise to the occasion, somebody else wins. Just when you think you've got a sleeper on your hands, uh, they stumble, and then another sleeper reveals itself. Uh, It looks like Augustana will host the conference tournament after splitting the season with Illinois Wesleyan. But, you know, Elmhurst and, and, and North Central and, and others are still in play, and, and the bottom of the conference is still trying to make some waves as we close things out here. Yeah, you know, and you look at a team like Wheaton, who was getting some uh, uh, national recognition in the polls earlier in the year. Um, they're a program, much like Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan and North Central, who just seem to be familiar with winning. And I think sometimes that tradition and that kind of mindset going into postseason play in basketball specifically can really energize a program and that's when you see all these interesting upsets but uh having said that augustana even though they've uh taken a couple losses as of late um they they just have been playing so well throughout the year uh i think it's going to be pretty uh, pretty tough task for anyone to go in and beat them on their home floor with so much on the line of course um (laughs) that being said illinois wesleyan pulled that off certainly early in the season which got interesting uh, with augustana then having to win it um at uh, bloomfield uh just to make sure that they could host the conference tournament what's really fascinating and i i know you don't you know want to necessarily break down the regional rankings that much but Whitewater and Augustana sitting up there at one and two last regional rankings. It wasn't cut and dry from what I heard. And from what I also was told, when it came down to the question who would host between Whitewater and Augustana, the room was split, as it were. You know, because Augustana has the win over Whitewater, Whitewater doesn't have as normal a strength of schedule number that maybe anybody would anticipate. These regional rankings certainly fascinating with what will promise to be when you add in the likes of the of the West and St. Thomas and others uh, to be a, a very difficult run in the NCAA tournament. Home court's going to be major, be a major um, catalyst here. How important is it also to making sure you keep winning and don't take an extra hit here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm sure all the teams in this scenario are well aware of what's on the line. You know, you, you play for a conference title and – for a conference tournament title to get yourself into the NCAA tournament. But the teams who are really contenders, they know that the best way or the best opportunity to have a chance at a Final Four appearance or a national championship is to have the most favorable route to the Final Four laid out in front of you. And the way you get that is by just taking care of these meaningful games down the stretch. And while in for a team who has a strong enough resume to get an at-large bid into the national tournament may seem to the outside like they're comfortably in. 
they're always playing for something, and uh, coaches have always got them motivated, trying to get the most out of uh, the, the regular season that they can, just to try and give themselves, you know, the leg up when it comes to regional rankings and uh, potential seeding. Uh, talking to Josh Smith here, D3Hoops.com regional writer. Of course, Central Region Report here on this Sunday evening. Appreciate him taking the time to join us. Josh, before we let you go, how crazy has this season been from your vantage point? You've been around at least the region and the sports, especially the WIAC, for a number of years. The WIAC essentially being quiet compared to the rest of the, com- uh, the, rest of the country. Yeah, yeah, it really has been uh, uh it's still exciting, but, uh, you know, just with the number of teams, maybe, like you said, a, a, a little quieter. I guess we can use that term, sure. But, um, no, you just look throughout the uh, the number of conferences that uh, I keep tabs on for the Around the Region column on D3 Hoops, and uh, it's amazing to see uh, all, these, all these teams uh, putting up impressive numbers, Great conference races playing out, a uh, number of individual records being set, team records uh, taking, you know, going on. Um, I, I should have mentioned earlier that St. Norbert uh, men uh, won their 41st uh, yeah. Midwest Conference game in a row. That, I mean, That's stuff unreal. like that, you just you don't hear about that stuff all the time. So, I mean, it, it truly has been a, a fun winter to be keeping an eye on Division Three basketball. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. As always, to give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just keep an eye on those conference tournaments. Uh, with all the excitement that we've had to this point, don't think it's over now. Keep an eye on those conference tournaments. I'm sure there's going to be lots more to uh, to discuss on Hoopsville shows in the future. You're absolutely right. You don't want bubbles to burst, and they always burst in conference tournament time. Josh, thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Hey, it was my pleasure, Dave. Uh, Josh Smith joining us here. On the Hoopsville Hotline, we appreciate him taking the time to do so. Um, if you have any questions for us, uh, the rest of the show, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Hashtag us Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. And, of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. should also point out we are wearing a Carthage polo for our Central Region Report. Seemed kind of appropriate. When we come back, we'll get talking to some of our coaches from around the country. We'll go from the Central Region to the Atlantic Region and talk women's basketball with Baruch with their new interim head coach. And not new, just new for this year. Also coming up, um, women's basketball coach uh, digging himself out of a blizzard. We'll talk to Mass Dartmouth coming up here on the show from the New England region. We'll jump down to the South region, talk to the the number one seed in the ASC tournament, the East Texas Baptist men's basketball team. And then we'll jump back out to Iowa and talk Buena Vista basketball with our NABC Coaches Corner. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show here on the 15th of February, a Sunday. Time running out is our theme as we look at the fact that the last week of the scheduled season is upon us for most teams. Of course, then conference action starting next week. Of course, some conference action already underway or starting to get underway. Uh, conference tournament action, I should say. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We know there's a special show on tonight. We all know we're better. So we're glad you're watching us live. Uh, a couple comments that we've had in the um, <clears throat> in the interim. Um, Justin Sweeney pointing out a heck of a time for the NCAA to upgrade their and their stats servers. You're right, heck of a time. I think it was originally scheduled for um, um, January, but something happened, and so it didn't go through. I asked about why it wasn't done over the summer, and the comment was there's sometimes there's other things going on over the summer uh, that would make that uh, upgrade not ideal either. Um, so really in the grand scheme of things, there's no real perfect time to do those upgrades. And apparently they chose them this summer, uh, or this past weekend to do, we're talking about the fact that the regional rankings will now be delayed until Thursday. Um, I did check in, uh, with the liaison at the NCA to see if, um, that has now been moved back to Wednesday due to the fact that the servers are up and running faster than expected at this time that has not changed, but we'll find out in the morning. Uh, if that has. Again, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can interact with us. There's some other questions. Uh, whether St. Mary's men's basketball will be able to make the NCAA tournament if they lose in the conference tournament. I said maybe, but their SOS doesn't look good. We'll see how those numbers shake out as we continue to move forward. Uh, and plenty more questions, and, and there may be questions for our guests, so feel free to send them along. We'll jump into the Atlantic region, talk women's basketball and the Baruch Bearcats. Team is 19-4 and overall, undefeated in CUNYAC action at 15-0 with two games left to go. Um, they have pretty much wrapped up. Well, they haven't pretty much wrapped up. Brooklyn's sitting right behind them at 14-1, and so the number one spot is not all well and locked. But we wanted to talk about the team, and so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, is there an interim head coach, Kelly Ann Barrett, joining us here on the show? Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, and thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For, should point out to a lot of people, uh, it even caught me off guard at one point this season when I checked in on things, and that was the simple fact that uh, who we're used to seeing, McKelly Joseph uh, on the sideline, is not. Over the summer, he took the deputy uh, AD job and handed the reins over to you as on the interim basis. Uh, how you liking your first season here? I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm definitely a change, but I'm enjoying it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It has been. You know, certainly you've already out, outdone uh, Coach Joseph uh, in the sense that you're undefeated in the conference right now. Uh, the best he's ever done is 15-1, and one, so you've at least outed, uh, outdone him there with one conference game to go against Brooklyn coming up here on Tuesday. Then you'll play Mount St. Mary out of conference before 
getting into conference tournament action. Have you had a little fun maybe rubbing that fact into them? No, no. I'm sticking it game by game. We're not, we're not, I haven't really – we haven't gone into that yet. <laughs> oh, come on, Coach. Have some fun with this. Um, <laughs> hey, you're having a terrific season. Start, season started a little rough. Had a tough loss to Rutgers Newark at the beginning of the year. Bounced back with a win over Farmingdale State. Those games up at, or at Farmingdale State game at Amherst. Then you lost to Amherst by 10. Um, and don't worry, about 100-some-odd opponents have lost to Amherst at their place. Um, <laughs> after you floor them, then uh, the next game, of course, the previous number one team in the country. Only lost to them by 12. Uh, got a couple more wins under your belt before Montclair State, another good basketball team. Uh, defeated you guys by by 10 and then you beat Illinois Wesleyan and was off to the races after that um, and you guys have rolled along since that December 28th loss if there's one thing to look at that coach it's the fact that you've lost to some pretty darn good teams Amherst, Florham uh, and Montclair State and, and I suspect you've learned a lot from them yeah definitely definitely did I, the you know uh, the Rucker, Rucker's Newark loss uh, you know what we looked at it, it was probably a blessing in disguise it uh it definitely helped us, and we were able to regroup. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we we definitely pounded the schedule with the best competition non-conference wise. And the kids, they fought hard. I mean, we're in it to the game. You know, we're in it down to the wire. Last couple, you know, minute or so, two minutes, kind of went a little cold in both of the, you know, the SU and the Amherst games. So, um, but there was definitely some good positive takeaways and show that we, you know, we can compete with them. We can compete at that level. So that was that was great for us to take away from those games. Of course, big game coming up here on Tuesday, game at Brooklyn. Uh, mm-hmm. You beat Brooklyn earlier in the season, 84-60 at home on, December, on January 10th. They're a game behind you guys, so obviously first place in the conference comes down to this. Um, yep. The biggest being the fact that if you lose a tie and then we go into some tiebreakers, and I certainly don't know the tiebreakers off the top of my head well enough to be able to break down how that all works, but I have a feeling we're going to go deep into them because their only losses would be you guys um, uh, yep. concurrently so obviously Tuesday huge game um, not only for making sure things come through your house but you also sitting fifth in the regional rankings want to continue to improve that position at least right yep you know with the kids I'm trying to we're trying to go with the approach just it's you know it's another big game you know we try to look at it that way I don't want to don't want to overdo it and get them a little psyched out because you know Brooklyn is a tough place to play at we just want to keep them focused and, and continue to do everything that we've been doing all season. Um, so, yeah, but, no, it's definitely – it is a it is a big game. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be a good one, too. Definitely a big, good one on the road. And it's a good to play, you know, the best competition before playoffs start and, you know, and hopefully into the NCAA tournament. So that's, you know, it's a good way to finish the regular season out. Um, so certainly a lot on the line for this game. Again, you're sitting in fifth – uh, in the regional rankings, um, you got a 517 SOS, um, which you know isn't huge. D- does that kind of make you realize that you're going to have to get things done in conference and not hope for an at-large bid when you're that deep uh, in definitely. an Atlantic region? Yeah, uh, definitely. The region, you know, our region is a very, very tough region, and we want to make sure that you know we control our own destiny. We don't want to rely on anybody else. So you know, our goal is to take care of business through the CUNYs and. And we, you know, we stamp our own ticket into the NCAA tournament. Certainly, uh, interesting uh, out of conference schedule that did and didn't necessarily help you. Um, but let's talk about this team. This is a, a team that's certainly got some senior leadership. Um, you've got four seniors on it. You don't have a a ton of players necessarily. You do not have any juniors, and then it drops off to a number of sophomores. 
Um, it, it kind of by definition makes you think that this is a year you want to take advantage of um, as far as trying to get things done, though I will point out it's not necessarily seniors who are leading the stack columns. Right. No, you know, our seniors, um, they, since the moment they've walked in the door at Baruch, they've been, you know, they've been in tough games and tough situations. So um, we definitely rely on them. Um, but our sophomore class is a very good class. And, and you know, and they, some of them are, you know, stepping up now towards the end of the season, which is also good. But, you know, the seniors have been through a lot, you know, in, four, in their last three to three years, and even this year with, you know, our tough non-conference. So, so yeah, we, we do we do rely on them for a lot. But, uh but yeah, we're hoping we have our goals, and 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 they and they see the big picture too, and and they want to they want to go out, you know, on a positive note, you know, finishing off their senior year. Veronica Gunzi, the the leader on the team, sophomore, thirteen point one points a game. Um, uh, you have Frances Henry, uh, your senior, who's bringing in thirteen points a game. Of course, she's also bringing in uh, seven and a half rebounds a game, um, twelve and a half points, nearly thirteen points for Sheridan Taylor. Uh, mm-hmm. She's also your your uh, senior. She's also got a double double with a, nearly eleven rebounds a game. You, you're getting a lot of contributions. We haven't even mentioned Ayanna Abrams, your other senior, uh, eleven and a half points a game, five rebounds a game, and then uh, Alicia Elmer. Uh, I apologize, can't get that out. Nine point mm-hmm. two points a game, eight point six rebounds a game. She's your other senior. So while you've got Gonzi, the sophomore, leading the way by a tenth of a point. It is those seniors, the next four in line, crashing the boards, putting up the points. Um, so clearly, that's where you want to lean on. But at least you got some underclassmen getting plenty of experience. Uh, definitely, yeah. And you know, our, our scoring is, you know, is well balanced. You know, there's not one person who's averaging, you know, 25, and then the next drop off is 10. You know, it, it, at any given night, any one of those five or six, you know, going down, you know, to our next, you know, and Kristen. Six can have a big night, a scoring night. So we don't really rely on just one person to score. It's evenly balanced, which is also a good thing because then it makes teams have to you know, have to guard all of us and not just particularly one particular person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly doing a nice job there. In the in the in the you know, you got five players essentially with double figures in points and crashing the boards, mm-hmm. and you still haven't talked about two, three, four more players who are averaging about five points or more a game. You certainly are willing to go deep on your bench. Um, you play, what, about eight or nine almost every single game, and you've got two more who certainly see plenty more action outside of that. You're outscoring your opponents by 21 points a game, you know, despite the couple losses there. What's been the trick with this team besides the senior leadership? What's been maybe the little secret about it? Um, my my whole thing is like the defensive end. and I feel like if we can get a clean stop or a clean rebound, that leads into, you know, transition, and that's kind of our game. We like to play the more up-tempo transition games. So if we can if we can work on the defensive end, get a good steal, get a good clean stop, and we can push it and go, and and that's where our, that's how our game is, and we like to play it that style. So definitely the defensive end is where it helps because that translates to our offense. Talking to Kellyanne Barrett, the uh, interim head coach for Baruch. Women's basketball team is uh, 19-4 and overall, 15-0 in conference action. Of course, Coach, to, uh, last year, you guys were 21-8, and eight, uh, made the NCAA tournament, um, uh, and then lost to Hartwick in heartbreaking fashion by three mm-hmm. in the first round. Then the year before that, it kind of was the coming out party. Team made the NCAA tournament, but also lost in heartbreaking fashion in Lebanon Valley uh, on the road on, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. 
Um, this is a team that certainly will put up 19, 20 wins a game, but doesn't always play in the NCAA tournament, um, except getting the AQ. So certainly we know that's important. Is this team better poised, having the experience of the last two seasons, though? I think so. I think that, that you know they they you know they they know this is their last chance as well, and and they're they're you know they're. They're really focused, and they and they want to they want to go deep into the NCAA tournament. They want to make it second, third round. They want, you know, they they know they can do it. We've been right there, and then adding, you know, our, our hard non-conference and showing we got a glimpse of it. You know, with FU and Amherst being, you know, in a ten-point game, really a six-point game, and then we had to start fouling at the end. So we're right there. So they just need, you know, they know they just need to polish up and and work, you know and sharpen some things up, and we know we can do that because we've been there the last few years and we've been right on the cusp. So I think, you know, that that maturity and, and that experience will, you know, will help them this year. You grew up in the New York area, obviously, as, uh, as, as so certainly the team and its makeup is familiar to you. You got a chance, though, to play Division One. Um, Division two. I'm sorry, Division two. Correct. Yeah. I misread. I can't read today. Apparently, <laughs> um, so you got to experience a little bit of a different um, point of view of college basketball. But when it comes down to coaching these players, is there still a, 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 a mutual side of things you can relate to them with? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you know, I I wasn't once long ago a player, so and I try to remind them of that. You know. <laughs> You know, I did. I graduated in 2010, so I, you know, it's been five years. But I've been, I was just a player, so I know what it feels like, and I know as a senior, you know, you, you know what, what, you know what happens, and when it's all said and done, and it's over, and you know, you, you're, you're done playing your college career. So I always try to remind them, like, don't have any regrets, and just every day try to get better, so that we can, you know, we can be a better team. And, and you know, you want to go out, you know, knowing that you did everything you possibly could. Um, it's interesting, of course, Coach Joseph moving on to uh, an administrative role over the summer, and you getting the interim tag put on your uh, on your uh, job description. Uh, how much has has Coach Joseph uh, been able to help you guys out, and how much has he maybe tried to stay away to let you do your thing? Well, I'm a little bit of both. You know, I'm a, he's always there because he's still working in school, so I you know go always going and chat with him about different things, and and you know just if I need to get a little, you know, perspective. And since he's not, you know, around the team as much, then it, can, it gives me another eye. I could tell him what's going on and he can give his input. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been good both ways. And then sometimes he'll, you know, take a step back and let it just, let it just roll a little bit. But I, he's always there whenever I need to talk to him. Well, it's also interesting. You guys have had some interesting teams rolling through your gym of late. Can you give you everybody kind of the, the craziness that has been the season at, at Baruch's gym? Oh, it's it's uh it's a uh, hopping in place. Uh, you know, a lot of NBA teams they come in and practice. This weekend with the All Star um, game, you know, we uh, they had uh, you know Nike did a you know an All Star like uh, borders camp. You know, teams from all different countries. So now the gym is a it's a it's a hopping in place. And uh, then they did a celebrity game this past week. You know, with different celebrities. So there's a lot of stuff that goes through. Yeah, I was going to say, and next year, the speculation is NYU will call Baruch home as well just to make things just a little bit crazier for everybody. Yeah, that's what I hear. So, yeah, it'll, it'll, yeah it's going to be it's, – it's, it's a great facility. Um, you know, the gym's an awesome gym, so, you know, people love it, and, and it's good, you know. So it's good for the school. You should uh, schedule a game with NYU and then have an argument about who's the home team. 
<laughs> I would love to. You got five years, so don't worry. Coach, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your squad. Certainly uh, maybe flying a little bit under the radar uh, this season, um, but certainly playing well at 19-4, and 15-0 conference action. Do me a favor. Should you guys at least get a chance, uh, you beat Brooklyn coming up here on Tuesday, if you get that opportunity and you go 16-0 in the conference, can you just hey, give Coach Joseph a little bit of a hard time for me, just the fact that you went 16-0? and uh, yeah, I, I could, maybe. Yeah, I can probably do something. Tell him I put you up to it, and it's totally okay. okay. <laughs> uh, coach Barrett, thank you so much for coming on. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, yeah, um, no, just uh, you know, just keep a lookout for Brew College. You know, we're you know we're especially this season, we're hoping to make a little noise in the NCAA tournament. Well, we so, certainly will look forward for to seeing you. Me. Absolutely, thank you so much, Coach. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Okay, sounds good. Kellyanne Barrett, interim head coach at Baruch. Again, the team is 19-4 and overall, 15-0 in conference action. Last conference game of the season coming up on Tuesday as they will take on Brooklyn. Win that game, they are hosting um, the CUNYAC tournament, or at least the number one seed. Mount St. Mary in non-conference action coming up on Thursday. Should point out, again, their SOS is a 517. That's in the... Uh, uh, roughly the top third of the country. It fits about 166th. Um, it's not a great SOS. You don't want to put yourself at stake for an at-large bid. They're ranked fifth out of eight in the Atlantic region last week. Um, I think Baruch knows it, and you kind of heard it from Coach Barrett. They're going to have to win the AQ to guarantee anything. Putting themselves up for an at-large bid with five losses is tough, though that being said, three of those losses are not uh, ones to um, shake a head at. They, those three losses certainly aren't bad ones. It just is another loss in a, what will be already a tight field. But thank you, interim head coach Barrett, for joining us. Uh, I certainly appreciate her taking the time. We come back. We're going to jump from the Atlantic region to the Northeast uh, and certainly talk about uh, digging out of snow, but how you still can play basketball and talk to a team who's also flying a little bit under the radar, but is going to need to make sure to get the AQ, and that is Mass Dartmouth women's basketball. Also give you an update, thanks to games finishing today in the NESCAC, as to who is going where and when. Uh, we will try and update you on other conference actions as to who's got AQs and all the like, but it is tough to keep track of them all. Uh, I have a cheat sheet, but it's not fully updated, so if I missed one, I apologize but anyway, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, um, you also can, um, don't forget, I should say, about the Hoopsville fundraising project uh, via Indiegogo. We are uh, halfway to our modest goal, which is half the goal we had last year. So we're really a quarter, less than a, about a quarter of the money raised so far this year that we raised last year. Um, help us cover Division Three basketball the way it deserves to be covered. If you want more information, tweet us. We'll send you the link. We'll also try and tweet out the link a little bit a couple times this show as well. Um, and, of course, if, you, if you're so kind uh, to contribute to the show, we certainly appreciate it. If you can't, share it with others so that others may be able to have the opportunity to do so as well. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to be right back with Mass Dartmouth Women's Basketball. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. 
Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, you can also um, interact on the on the uh, YouTube page, believe it or not. That's how Justin Sweeney took care of business, as it were, just a little while ago, talking to us about the servers. Always an easy way to do that. Uh, looks like we got took a little hit from some people, but they're coming back on board, and we appreciate you taking the time. Listen, seriously, this is that time of year. If you do have questions, we will give you our opinion on things um, and how they stand. This is that time of year where we get plenty of those. Speaking of which, we'll have some special shows coming up. We are on the air Sundays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock Eastern times our start. We say until 9, but we always go past 9. Um, and then two weeks from now, we'll certainly have longer coverage as we break down who we think is in and out of the NCAA tournament, including talking to those who may have answers or those who are hoping to have answers. And then the following Monday, we will be on the air uh, at some point. We always try and figure out the best time to come on, and we'll update you that. But um, Monday, the 2nd of March, we'll be on the air. Uh, after the brackets have been announced, we'll talk to both chairs of the national committees and others about decisions and making the tournament and whatnot. So if you have questions and thoughts and stuff, tweet us. You can also find out more information on that. You can also find out about the Hoopsville Fundraising Project. We'll talk a little bit about more about that later in the show. Up in the Northeast, quick update. NESCAC basketball wrapped up today. And in men's basketball action, they have finalized the seeds. Trinity is your number one seed, so things will go through their doors as long as they win the quarterfinals. Um, if they win the quarterfinals and the semis and the championships will go through uh, Trinity in Connecticut. Gordon Mann, our good fr our good friend and buddy at D3Hoops.com, probably happy about that. Trinity will take on Colby next Saturday. Uh, Bowden is your two seed. They will take on Williams, the seven. Bates is your third seed, and they'll take on Wesley in the sixth. And Tufts will take on Amherst. Amherst, the fifth seed, because of that loss to w Middlebury today. 
So get a get a load of this, ladies and gentlemen. The chances of Amherst or Williams hosting the NC uh, the the NESCAC tournament pretty slim and none at this point in time. Uh, certainly, always a chance if there's upsets and and the of the like that five, six, seven, and eight all win that it could go through Amherst. On the women's side, Tufts wrapped up number one for the second straight year. Uh, they will host Hamilton. Bowden will ha- host Middlebury. Amherst will host Colby. And Williams will host Connecticut College and, again, goes through Tufts uh, should Tufts win the following weekend. Speaking of Northeast basketball, uh, women's basketball at, at the same time, one of those teams that has been kind of capturing my attention for most of the season has been coming out of the Little East Conference, a team that certainly has played basketball pretty well recently, but I think has jumped out of the uh, the gym, as it were, this season, out of North Dartmouth, Massachusetts. The Corsairs are Ma- Mass Dartmouth. They're 17-6 and six overall this year, 9-3 and three in conference action, the best season they've had in two years when they were 20-8. and eight. And honestly, uh, those two seasons are the best they've had in recent history. So we want to bring on their head coach, and that is Matt Ducharme. Coach, uh, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you have dug yourself fully out of your house. Um, <laughs> if it hasn't, you might as well just make it an igloo at this point. That's exactly right. It's keeping me warm, though, with all that insulation. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so there is, a, there is a positive to the whole thing. Uh, you were telling me off air another 22 inches. How much does that mean you guys have been dumped on in North Dartmouth this season? Well, just February, it's closing in on 90 inches. That's already. it? Kind of crazy. Oh, that's weak. Just 90. <laughs> yeah. Well, consider yourself lucky. You're not in Down East, where they've seen well over that. Um, but it's been crazy up and down. How many games have you guys had postponed and canceled, though? Uh, we actually only had one postponement that I can recall. No cancellations. It's been pretty good. We've been able to. Whoever's doing the roads has been been doing all right with it. I have to admit, I, that is probably the part I am most impressed with, is that with all this snow up in New England, you guys have had so few. Uh, delays and postponements and cancellations of games, allowing this last week of the regular season per se to not be as condensed or as crazy. That's got to be a little bit of a benefit for you as a coach too. Oh, absolutely. You know that nobody likes to cancel those league games late because you just don't have the time to make them up. So it's very important that when we're able to play those on time. Um, of course, league games important. You've got a uh, scant scant game lead on Eastern Connecticut and Southern Maine. Uh, Southern Maine, who's 12 and 11 overall, eight and four in conference action. Though Eastern Connecticut, 15 and eight, eight and four. Of course, you're right between the two of them. So I think for them, they wouldn't mind you being the host if they couldn't host themselves because they aren't going to want to make the long trip. Um, but you've got, of course, you had the win over Eastern Connecticut to end a two-game slide, and you got Rhode Island College and Keene State ahead of you. Can you lock up this number one? Do you feel confident you can do that? Well, I do feel confident in my team. It's good when you can control your own destiny. So all we've got to do is take care of business. You know, as, as Patriots fans over here, we like to say, do your job. You know, and our mm-hmm. job is to go out there and win each game, the next two being the most important in this, in this um, our school's history, really. It'll be the first time we've ever won the, the uh, conference regular season championship. It's just a lot of firsts happening. So it's really an exciting time. But if we do our job, yeah, I feel pretty confident. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the key here is you guys are having this breakout season despite the 21 season a couple years ago go this kind of is the big one for you you're on top of the conference you are in control of your own destiny as it were these are significant steps for a program um that you know not that long ago was well below 500 um yeah it's got to be creating a bus there in north dartmouth it is you know and it, it's it was a lot of a lot of hard work um my 
my mentor who I'd worked under, Amanda Van Voorhis, who's now the, the athletic director at UMass Dartmouth. She, she did a good job of turning this program around, and I've just sort of tried to catch on those uh, coattails, work hard in, in recruiting, um, getting people to believe that we are winners now. It's not the old days where we did struggle to get to 500, and I think the culture is now finally where people believe we can win, and including ourselves and our players, and it's no longer that loser mentality. You're in the first year, correct? Correct, as head coach. Yep. So is, is there any little bit of fun? I just had a conversation with the Atlantic <laughs> side with the Baruch about the fact that, you know, uh, the interim head coach there might go undefeated in the conference, something her predecessor, who's deputy AD, didn't do. Is there any fun about rubbing it into to your former coach and AD about, hey, guess what I'm doing this year? <laughs> Uh, you know, she's been so supportive. I, 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 she doesn't allow. She kind of like is so proud of me. I don't want to even do that, and and I don't want to do it, especially until things are are finished. You know, I don't sure. like to put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, sure. No, I don't blame you. I just got of curious if it's on your mind. Um, uh, I can't reveal that on on air. Yeah, well, it's been revealed. So, uh, but I mean, I, you've obviously been there before. I mean, you're a 2000 grad of the school. Um, and had played there. So this has got to have a special meaning to you just outside of that to see the Corsairs in the conversation. I, I, I lo- you know, I've always had a, you know, obviously it's my alma mater, and I, I've had a soft spot for it. I've worked in athletics for years, and um, this is something special. And you know, I have so much pride in this program that it, it's just so great to see it happening and, and watching, like you said, the buzz that's happening around campus, people starting to believe. It's just really, it's really, really nice to see. Uh, talking to uh, Coach Matt Ducharme here of uh, the Corsairs of Mass Dartmouth. Again, 17-6 overall, 9-3 in conference action. I'll have to admit, when you took that loss to Southern Maine and that loss to Mass Boston, you probably had a little bit of, of sweat forming a little bit. Like, oh, of all the times of the year to have a hit, this is not the time of year we want to take this. Yeah, that was a, a pretty pretty bad time. Um, we, know we just came off a seven-game winning streak, uh, really going hot, and all of a sudden the brakes just sort of hit. And, uh, you know, it you know, sort of shakes your confidence, um, and then you just want to see how the response is by the team. When the, when the chips are down, we had EastCon coming in. You know, they were, if we wanted to take number one, you know, the number one position in the conference, we had to beat them. And it was a home game, and, and it was time for the, you know, the sort of see where they, they're, how they're going to respond to this adversity. And they did a great job. They really stepped up and, and, and handled business. Now, outside of your conference, you've played the likes of Williams, though, and you've played Coast Guard, which right now looks pretty darn good, as that team has been rolling along in conference action as of late. Um, but outside of that, it's kind of a who's who of New England teams. Doesn't really lead yourself to a, a huge SOS. So 573 isn't bad. It's just comp- you know complicated by the six losses so far. I have a feeling... If this is one of those, we got to win the conference. We can't even ima- we can't even put ourselves in the imagination since we're sitting. Uh, well, you are sitting fifth in the rankings, but you don't want to put yourself in the conversation at large at all. No, I don't want to sit there having to hope that somebody else thinks you're worthy. You know, you need to, you need to prove it and prove it by winning your conference. Period. I know it's a little bit maybe new, but do you think there's a chance with your numbers that at large is a possibility? Um, and honestly, I. I wish I had that answer. I, I it truly believes in how how we um, end this season. Maybe if we went out and were to lose in the championship game, perhaps somebody would uh, think that's enough. But me personally, I don't even want to really think that way. I want to really, <laughs> I want to win the regular season. I want to win the tournament. Sure. Um, I want to really just not back it. I want to earn it. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, most coaches will t- say that as well. Um, of course, haven't had the opportunity. Uh, to be in um, an NCAA tournament, just the fact that that's a possibility has got to be exciting. 
It is, I guess it, we mentioned it's an exciting time there. Um, you know, my AD is saying, you know, we could have a selection day show and all that. So it's, <laughs> the excitement is, is really building. Um, we've had, the, you know, the chance has been there to see the games. Uh, so it's just really exciting. Um, the buzz of NCAA would be huge. I mean, that would just be another step in the program's history. And I like to be a part of, a part of the history that's that's becoming of what it is right now. I think you deserve a raise. I think you should talk to your <laughs> AD. Uh, let's talk about your team, Coach. You've got, uh, what, three seniors on this squad? Four seniors? Am I doing the math right? Oh, three seniors, yep. Three seniors, uh, three juniors, uh, and, and a good number of freshmen and sophomores. So pretty well balanced. You're led by a sophomore and, and uh, Megan Ro- Ronigan? Ronigan, yeah. Ronigan, 19 points a game. A seven rebounds a game. That's nice to get out of a sophomore. Kelsey Garrity, your seniors, nearly 12 points a game and hauling in six rebounds a game. Your other double-digit and junior in Beth uh, Castantini. Castantini, yep, like Thank the martini. You. Oh, I like that. I can remember <laughs> that very well. Uh, Ten points a game, of course, four rebounds a game. Um, of course, I should mention Garrity, five assists a game, two and a half steals on top of that. That's a nice trio you got right there. She is uh she's the heart soul. She's the engine that makes the you know the whole thing go. She's an amazing athlete and Megan Ronigan, she was ended up being the Nuba uh, freshman of the year last year in the region. So she's an incredible player as well. Yeah, you can but in that trio is certainly good. You then have another sophomore and freshman each averaging eight points a game in <laughs> in Hawkwater and uh Coutil. You, you, you've got some depth, certainly. You've got some youth on this squad. I know you can build from there. We'll talk about that. But the fact that I look at your roster and how many players have played in a vast majority of these games is pretty amazing. You're willing to go deep into that bench. Well, you know, if you're going to, re- uh, my philosophy is you're recruiting these people, you believe in them, and you. Your belief is that they're going to produce when they get there, and I mean, to sh- you put them in the positions, and you hope that you put them in positions to succeed on the court and, and not against good matchups. And, and they, once they start proving themselves, you, you know, you have that confidence in them. They have the confidence in themselves to keep putting them out there, and it really helps uh, keep the minutes down on some people. And hopefully, that puts us in position to be in good uh, good energy levels at this time of the year. What I find interesting about those the stats coaches, usually you'll see a couple of players on there who just got a handful of games. There isn't one player who's played less than a. 11 games of your 23 so far, um, and really it, most of them have played more than that, even if it's only two and a half minutes a game. So that clearly that philosophy is something you think about every single game. Yeah, I mean, it's a team sport. <laughs> and yeah. we like to, you know, everybody wants to feel a part of it, and sometimes a part of it isn't. Maybe some games they don't get in or they only get in those two minutes, but, you know, they have other roles, that, you know, being a cheer, cheerleader or seeing things in, on the defense they might be able to tell people. Or There's always a role for everybody. I'm, we always talk about embracing your role in the team and knowing what it is, and maybe it's a defensive specialist, maybe it's a sharpshooter, whatever it may be. It's embracing that role, knowing it, and then let's all put it together and be the best team we can be. Um, it's, I've had a, quite a few coaches on who have been men's basketball players uh, and gone on to become women's basketball coaches. Uh, and even at their alma mater, Trinity of Texas comes to mind there uh, as one of those. And there's certainly some other examples I can't think of off the top of my head. But from your vantage point, what was the transition like to go from playing men's basketball to coaching women's? While well, you know the sport, they are very different when it comes to X's and O's. Um, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't always in the grand plan. And when it, it, the opportunity arose, um, you know, I sort of took it and said, all right, I, w- I love coaching. I want to get into coaching. And this is the avenue it's going to be. And I was a little – I wasn't sure. And then when, when it started, it, it didn't take long for me to really fall in love with it. And now 
I mean, I love it's just a fundamental. I think it's just more a lot of more fundamentals. Um, that it's just a different atmosphere. I don't know. <laughs> it's just something I guess you sort of just grow into, and, and I don't see myself leaving it. This is better fundamentals is certainly one that I've, I could, would agree with you on. Uh, one of the nice benefits of watching a women's basketball game sometimes is the fundamentals. Quick question, you in this Little East Conference, this has been a conference that over the years has certainly been dominated by Southern Maine, but they mm-hmm. have kind of slipped a little bit, and other teams have come in the fray. You've been there long enough, whether playing on the men's basketball side when Southern Maine was certainly dominant on the women's side and then assistant coach and now head coach. How much has this conference changed? I, I like I, well, you know, they always talk about parity and all these different mm-hmm. you know, pro- professional leagues and everything. I think it's um, it's amazing how something can change. Just one player leaving a, 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 a like Southern Maine, they had they were so deep for so long, um, and I still think they're very good right now. As you can see, they're making a little run, late season run towards the uh, the top of the the conference. Um, it's just an amazing turnaround. I think some of that just comes with uh, people. Maybe some new coaches came in, and, and the recruiting philosophies changed, and. I don't know, uh, majors at university. There's so many things that go into Division Three athletics. Is more than just the sports. Um, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm happy that it's happening at UMass Dartmouth. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Good answer. Um, well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, especially from digging your house out um, from the latest two feet of snow. Um, I'm a little bit jealous of the fact that you've had a good winter, but I'm not jealous of the fact that my back is just perfectly fine. Um, it has not bothered me all winter. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be watching? Well, I hope people can, you know, sort of check out UMass Dartmouth and see how we finish this season. And, you know, hopefully we can uh, keep building on the success and people can follow us far into the future. Well, Coach, thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll certainly keep an eye on the course here see if you guys make the NCAA tournament, whether in a large or AQ. Certainly rooting you on, and, and we'll look forward to, to seeing how it all plays out. All right, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Take care. You too. Uh, Coach Matt Ducharme joining us here on Hoopsville. The Corsairs, again, having a terrific season. 17-6 and overall, 9-3 and in conference action. Uh, big two games coming up at Rhode Island College, then uh, at home against Keene State to try and wrap up that number one bid, or number one seed, I should say, in conference action and host the conference tournament if they can. That would be big, and of course make the NCAA tournament. Listen, they're fifth in the regional rankings, and their SOS is stellar, 573 which is top 30 in the country right now, uh, and is one of the biggest reasons they're sitting in fifth in what is a very, very chock-a-block uh, New England region. Um, there's an outside chance to get to the title game and happen to lose, let's say, to a Southern Maine or an Eastern Connecticut, that that won't hurt them. They could still make the NCAA tournament. But again, time's running out. So really, in that theme, you want to make sure you win the AQ. That is certainly more important. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, you can always join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising project. We'll try and remember to get a tweet out here momentarily as well um, and so on and so forth. Um, but thanks again to Coach Descharm to joining us. We're going to switch gears, talk men's basketball action coming up next. And we're going to go from snowy New England to uh, far better weather in Texas. We're going to jump down to talk to East Texas Baptist men's basketball coach Burt West. We'll also then jump up in Iowa in the NABC Coaches Corner and talk to Brian Van Haften from Univista. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We have plenty more Hoops Hill right up ahead here on Hoopsville. 
I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show here on Sunday, the 15th of February. Again, we are running out of time. It is one week left for most teams in their regular schedule before we look at conference tournament action. That, so that's one week left. And some teams, one or two games left in their already scheduled season. Then we enter conference play in a week. Um, and of course, conference play for some will start as early as this coming weekend. The NESCAC is wrapped up, for example. Other conferences like the NACC have wrapped up. They will start conference action next week. And then, or this week, essentially on Saturday, we'll start conference tournament action and then moving forward. Um, so teams are starting to lock up number ones and number two seeds in their tournaments, all trying to position themselves to either get the automatic bid and not worry about whether they can make the NCAA tournament or not or improve their resume to better position themselves for potential at-large bids. So time is running out. In a week, we'll be talking about already teams who are probably on the bubble, if they're not on the bubble as we speak. And we'll be talking in two weeks about the teams who are, bubbles may have popped. Remember, the UAA does not have a conference tournament, so we're talking about three games left for them uh, and some big happenings there as we have a three-way tie currently for first place in the UAA. We're going to jump into some men's basketball action here, and we're going to go head south into Texas. 
for our next conversation with a team who may be, I don't know if you could say surprisingly leading uh, the ASC conference, but thanks to some uh, tough road uh, as it were, for Harden-Simmons, East Texas Baptist, the Tigers are doing a tremendous job and are in first place in the conference uh, as we speak. Uh, and of course, they are on a roll themselves, having won 10 straight. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, uh, Burt West. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hi, Dave. Thank, thanks for having us. Absolutely appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, you've lost four games. They came in a five-game stretch to start January when the conference decided to, to, to treat you so unkindly. Concordia, <laughs> Texas beat you. Then you got a win over Mary Harden-Baylor. Then Texas-Dallas, Harden-Simmons, and Louisiana College tripped you up. You have won 10 straight since then, returning the favor to all four of those teams uh, with two games left, you got to be pleased with how your team has rebounded from a really tough sp- spot there and and surged forward. It's it, the schedule fell it, very difficult this season. We had two different stretches where, and, and they were back to back stretches with only a day or two in between, where we had five games in eleven days. We had a day or two off, and then we had five games in ten days. So that was that was very difficult, and of course the. American Southwest Conference schedule is brutal anyway and played <laughs> the top of the standings in consecutive order. And, and that was tough. But the, the Tigers were hanging in there, though. And listen, I mean, you started the season on a roll as well. It's not like you guys aren't familiar with it. I think you won eight straight before you hit your first loss. You beat Millsaps in Centenary, Louisiana, uh, Letourneau in conference action, then Texas Lutheran, or, uh, University of Ozark, Ozarks, I should say, in conference action, Rust in non-conference, Texas Tyler Hendricks, etc. Before you took that hit, and then you rail, you know, rattled off the ten straight since then. What's been the secret to this team? Because I'll be honest, when I talk to those in the ASC, you, East Texas Baptist comes to mind pretty darn quick when asking them about the top of this conference. Well, we we appreciate that. I I, I tell you what has occurred. Three years ago, I thought we were going to have a good team and they were just a little too young and not quite right, and the schedule was too tough. And then last year, about mid-season, a little after, the light came on, the team came together, and we were picked seventh going into this season. But I was very confident because I had had confidence when they were growing, going through the process, and these guys are they're very humble, they're very balanced, they're very together. I don't know that we've got the best players in the league. I certainly don't think we've got the best coach in the league. But we may have the best team in the league. Boy, they are really a together group. And, and out now that everyone has seen what they're capable of, all our opponents and our friends in the conference, they like, okay, these guys are real. You know what? It's got to be this conference or the region because you know how many talk coaches I talk to in the ASC or maybe the SCAC or somewhere else, and they talk about we may not have the best players, we certainly don't have the best coach. Uh, it seems to be a common theme. You guys downplay yourselves a lot, but you're sitting on a 10-game winning streak. You're on top of the ASC, which means it would have to come, the conference would have to come through uh, your neck of the woods if everything ended as we speak. Um, that's a big deal for this Tex- this Tigers squad, who, let's be honest, hasn't won in 20 games in, well, not in recent history. It's It's been a while. It was maybe the last time we won 20 was... Uh, it may have been like 1996. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. When you go against Gene Rushing at Louisiana College and Terry Butterfield at UT Dallas and <laughs> Ken DeWeese at Mary Harden Baylor and Craig Garst at Harden Simmons, boy, I tell you what, every, every you're grateful for every win. Boy, those 
those guys, I bet every one of them probably got well over between 400 and 700 victories. Boy, they can coach. Well, you're you're certainly showing you can coach this season. I mean, you guys were 11 and 15 last year, 9 and 16 the year before, back at 14 and 12 back in 2012. 17 and 9 was certainly a good year in 2011. But you've got uh, some horses on this team, um, and this is a somewhat young team. You do have three, four seniors on the squad, but you've got a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomores who are contributing to this squad. Jamil Samuel leading the way. You got a bunch, a bunch of guys in double figures, but Samuel, the junior, uh, 11 and a half points a game. Dylan Augustine also with 11 and a half points a game. He's a sophomore. Uh, junior Mitchell at 10 points a game. Of course, Mitchell is a junior. So, literally, what I'm trying to get at, and we've had this conversation before, is you may have seniors, but you got guys who are underclassmen who are actually making the contributions that are leading the squad. Well, that, that's true, and the, and the balance on our team, the unselfishness on our team is just incredible. Everyone that watches us play talks about how well we move the ball and how unselfish all our players are. And so the, the numbers are just like whose number comes up, and, and that's why we're so balanced. And, and there's people that, that I, don't, I don't know how to say this, but we've always told our team that if you're going to do something great, and every great team I've ever seen, there comes some moments during a season where the opponents or the fans say, who is that guy? Hmm. Who is that? And that's the type of team we have. That Who is that? We don't know who is that that's going to step up for us the next game. And it's it's been a different person or two different people almost every time. And I'm talking about non-starters right now. You've had six guys average an assist and a half or more a game this season. Um, your leader is Junior Mitchell, who's got 75 uh, on the year so far. And, of course, that breaks down to an average of three and a quarter a game. Um, you you got guys who are all over the place in steals as well. Of course, Samuel's leading the way with 61. So if you talk about unselfish, you have that many guys who are dishing the ball out every single game. You know, you, you, of course you're going to be playing some good, pretty good basketball, but that's going to make you smile as a coach. When your team is averaging, um, you know, 16 assists a game. Oh, it's incredible. Several years ago, I liked to use the term family with our team, and I've kind of quit using it. It's kind of become overused term, but this group deserves that title. They they absolutely play for each other. And and last Saturday, we lost our our second leading assist man. Our, our point guard that shared the minutes at point, and he led the team in steals and was second in assists, and, th- and he uh, injured a knee and is out for the season. Mm. And so we go in to play uh, Harden-Simmons and UT Dallas without a very important piece of the puzzle. And so we got a sophomore here and a junior there, and next thing you know, uh, someone else steps up, and, and they, have, they have tried to carry on. You've wrapped up the home season 13-0. and 0. Certainly home is an important factor. You've got two games left on the road, Howard Payne and Sol Ross State. To win this conference, you're going to probably have to win both of those or at least have Harden-Simmons lose one, even have Mayor Harden-Baylor Louisiana College lose one as they're all one game behind you. So certainly a lot to play for, but how important are winning two road games to make sure everything uh, in this conference comes through Marshall, Texas? Well, as you, I know you've looked at the standings, so we have, uh, I think, four teams with a chance to still catch us. Yeah. And we won ten games in a row, and we're only one game ahead. So 
so there's a lot of good teams and one of the we will we will only focus on on our preparation and and uh, the process that we've used from day one from from the time the first day of practice we just stay with that same process and we've just got the one game it'll be the most important game of the season it'll be a championship level game at Howard Payne and that's all we're going to focus on at this point in time we we're just going to try to try to work on things that that we can control is this team underappreciated we've had some people who on twitter say you guys should be higher ranked than fourth in the region of course with a 521 sos that's kind of hard to do there's some who say you should be a top 25 team um because you are on a 10 game winning streak and only have lost four games is this team underappreciated or do you think it's it's being appreciated just the right way I, I don't know, Dave. I, I could really answer that. We 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 appreciate each other, and we work hard for each other, and we try not to not to step outside that process. And without having looked, you know, at people around the country in Division Three, you have to certainly be ranked a little bit on reputation, and then continue that standard. And and so we're new to this standard. And if they rank us in the top twenty-five, I, I'll be certainly proud of that. That's something, but. But if they don't, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. We're just going to, you know, we're going to get after whoever whoever steps up in front of us next. Yeah, I'm kind of curious when you look at the landscape, uh, can you get in as an at-large, or do you know you just got to go win this AQ? I'm thinking, uh, oh, if if we were to win out and lose in the finals of the conference tournament game, I would think we would have a good chance to get in. But uh, that would be relinquishing control, and so I think I'll just go after the next game <laughs> one at a time and <laughs> see if we can do it that way. <laughs> now, certainly a game again on the road at Howard Payne and on the road at Sol Ross State, two games that you won by double figures earlier in the season, Sol Ross 81-68, Howard Payne 71-69. I should say that's a two-point game. I can't do math. Um, on, a, on a last second shot, Dave, they, right, thank they had you. the lead. We hit a three at the buzzer. So how do you get the team focused on the task at hand? So far, this group has been humble and hungry. They've stayed together. Uh, They have done what I've asked them to do. Again, we have tried to just take a page out of Nick Saban's book, and just (laughs) we have our process, and that's what we try to stay with. And we, we judge ourselves by how we do each and every day and how we compete every play of the game and we're attempting to dominate the other team and sometimes that allows us to keep up until we can gain some sort of advantage and it's not often you can dominate anybody in this league so I, I, think, I, don't not, I do not see an issue with this team just staying with the program staying with what we've been doing and you know our conference is so difficult we feel good if we can ever get out of here we all have to travel so far if you're not centrally located and you're on the fringe the way we are our conference some of our teams you know, it's 800 miles mm-hmm. to one of the opponents. And so we'll leave on Wednesday and, and afternoon, and we'll get home at 4 o'clock Sunday morning. And so, you know, we're used to it being tough. And it's just been hard to get over the hump. I had a chance this summer to drive from Baltimore to Tucson, Arizona, nonstop with some friends, which included 13 hours across the great state of Texas from the most <laughs> eastern point to the most western point. I truly appreciate how long those trips are for a lot of you guys as I did a good chunk of that Texas drive, and I'll admit, I didn't know if Texas ended. Um, It takes me less time to get from Baltimore to my parents' house in Maine, and I crossed seven states to do it. Um, 
It's unbelievable. But I, what also was unbelievable is this conference coach. There are three. There are seven teams within three games in the win column at the top of the conference. You guys at fourteen and four, and it goes all the way down to Howard Payne at eleven and six, Texas, Dallas, and Concordia, Texas, both at eleven and seven. Then there's a steep drop off, certainly to Sol Ross, the Ozarks, Laterno, and Texas Tyler, who don't have more than four wins. Those those four teams, the 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 middle two thirds and up have certainly been competitive this year. How in, how competitive has this conference been, considering it is hard for those in the Division Three realm, and especially outside of Texas, to take to appreciate the ASC, considering how many games you guys play in conference? But I, I think that we beat each other up so badly that it's hard for us to look good on a national stage. And again, uh, I... I we we got by Laterno by like four or six points or something at, over at their place. Uh, Tyler, we beat them in an overtime. Uh, Ozarks is very difficult to beat. Nobody wants to go to those places. It just happens at this point in time, everybody's a, a, either a little more experienced or a little bit better than them, but nobody wants to go there. Those, those games are just as hard to win as at Mary Harden-Baylor and Harden-Simmons and, and right on down the line. It's just it's it's very difficult. And, again, I think the travel plays into it. The size of the league plays into it. Uh, some of the leagues go for 30 minutes or 45 or an hour and a half, and they're back home, and then they do another two hours, hour and a half, and they're back home. And while we're journeying along, you know, viewing the countryside. And how hard is this going to get next year? McMurray rejoins um, Ooh, along yes. with, and I can't even remember who the other team is off the top of my head. I apologize. Um, how hard is it get now that you're going to add two teams? Now, granted, I think you guys don't go to a double round robin. I think you're going to offset that a little bit. You're going to go to divisions and play double round robin and division and split up. But you're adding more games to this conference. You're adding less opportunities to prove yourselves outside the conference. I know they they tell me and the the people at uh, Ken DeWeese at Mary Harden Baylor and Terry <laughs> Butterfield at UT Dallas who have who have shown the nation how good they are at the top of our league. Who they Mary Harden Baylor played in the national championship game two years ago, and and uh, UT Dallas with Coach Butterfield's been in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight have did really made some good runs for us. But I think everyone just feel well. It's just them, you know. But they had to fight to get out of here, and it toughened them up and prepared them, you know, to continue on. And I I tell you, it's it's just tough, but it's always been that way. So we're all used to it. I don't. I guess I don't know that we love it, but we're used to it. Well, Coach, it's been fun to watch you guys make this surge, 10 in a row after a tough stretch there to begin January uh, in control of your own destiny to get games to come through Marshall, Texas. Thanks so much for joining me here on the show. As always, though, I give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'm just awfully proud of this team. They character, high character bunch that work so hard, play so well together that everyone notices it. So that's gratifying. And, and I'm hoping one day that after we have continued on and gone as far as we can go, we'll look back and say, wow, that was impressive. Thank well, you very much, Dave. Absolutely, Coach. Take care of yourself. Safe travels this coming weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing if the games come through Marshall. Thanks a lot. Take care. Coach uh, Burt West joining us from East Texas Baptist again. Team is 19 and four overall, 14 and four in conference play. Really, a five-game stretch there where they played. Let's see, the first one was on January 3rd, the last one was on the 13th. So five games in 10 days, lost four of them. Outside of that, they've had a tremendous season. They've got a uh, 
521 uh, SOS, which is about 30th best in the country, according to Matt Snyder, though I think I might have that wrong. It ranks in the 30 area, apparently. Regionally ranked number four. Um, they may move up with Virginia Wesleyan moving, losing. Maybe Virginia Wesleyan falls back. I don't know. We'll see what happens with those regional rankings when they come out on Thursday. But East Texas Baptist, decent position maybe for an AQ but or an at-large, but they certainly want the AQ and they want to win it at home. We'll see how that all transpires. But thanks again to Burt West for joining us on the show. Um, fun to see how they're doing. First ever appearance by East Texas Baptist here on Hoopsville, and we certainly enjoyed having them on. When we come back, we'll jump up to somebody who might know just a little bit about those SOS numbers, former National Committee member uh, and head coach of Buena Vista. His Beavers playing pretty darn good basketball on top of the IIAC. We'll talk to Brian Van Haften coming up here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also, don't forget, end of the show, you can always ask me specific questions, but send them now. Um, but we'll also take a look at the Corey Weissman story um, if we have time three years later. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, you can ask us questions coming up later in the show. You can ask them now, really. We'll either answer them now or we'll answer them later in the show. Lots of questions with two weeks left to go. Uh, and we will certainly give you our opinions, or my opinion, on what I see the landscape two weeks left, as we said. Of course, don't forget, Hoopsville's on the air 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern time. I say 9 p.m., but really it starts at 7 and we end when we end. 
uh, and we're gearing up for a you know, show that never ends next Sunday and next, or not next Sunday, but March 1st and March 2nd, of course, surrounding all the selections, the, excuse me, NCAA tournament. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising project as well. Uh, we will tweet out some more information about that, but if you have questions about it, email us as well. It's through Indiegogo. We certainly appreciate any support that you may be able to provide for us uh, as well. And don't forget, we also wear shirts around here, or at least put them up. Nichols Athletics found out that we'll take paraphernalia and, and display it. So they sent us a T-shirt, and it's hanging back there. Someday we may wear it as well. Of course, we're wearing the Carthage women's basketball shirt uh, as their head coach. So aptly pointed out that I'm looking the best he's ever seen me dressed, Tim Bernero. Thanks for tuning in, my friend. Um, of course, uh, you'll see other shirts. Uh, Olivet's got a shirt that you can barely read it. Hope's in the corner here. Hopkins down here. Of course, we have uh, the Bishops Women's Ohio Wesleyan Women's Basketball jersey number 22, signed by Lauren Hill. Of course, her number 22. Uh, so we have that hanging behind us as well. But we're more than happy to put your paraphernalia back there. We rotate it out, as you can tell. Uh, we want to celebrate you. And, of course, we don't have to send you shirts. Got that? Uh, we always point this out because it's so cool. Women's Basketball Wheaton sent us a cool little basketball uh, backboard and rim, uh, a little tiny one you can play in, uh, you know, trash hoops or something. Um, but uh, so send it your send it our way. We'll we'll certainly again Twitter or email. We'll send you more information on finding out how you can um, find uh, get it to us, as it were. Going to jump out into our NABC coaches corner. This is the opportunity we talk to some coaches, not necessarily in the regions that we're talking about on Sundays, but also get their in their their take on things from their coaches' point of view. And joining us on the show today is a team that is, uh, I think they were the pick to win the IAAC, and I think that's been flying a little bit under the radar, and it's Buna Vista Beavers. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Brian Van Haften. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave, for having me on. It's uh, It should be fun. Absolutely appreciate it. It's nice to have the Beavers back in conversation. Not that you're not always there, but, you know, it wasn't that many years ago that you guys were always a perennial favorite to make the NCAA tournament. Now you guys certainly have a tough conference to fight through to get through to this. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you the early pick for the for the conference this year by the coaches? Uh, yeah, just by a little bit. Austin Dubuque were the two teams that were picked to, to win the league. And, uh, you know, so far it's, it's worked out to uh, – to our uh, advantage so far, but you know a couple of tough games to finish. Sure, oh sure, absolutely. It's not, it's never easy, as it were. You certainly know that more than anybody else would. Um, when you look at how your team has done this season, how how what is your reaction, as it were? Well, we're pretty good. I mean, I don't think we're awesome. I mean, I think that we've got a, a really good group of guys. We have seven seniors on the team. Uh, they all play. Uh, they. They're a close-knit group. Uh, very fortunate to coach these guys. Uh, we've got a, you know, a couple of other guys that are not seniors who play who really help us out a lot. And uh, so it's a close-knit group. Uh, it's a lot of fun to coach these guys. And I would say that we are pr a pretty good basketball team, uh, but I don't know how awesome we are. Uh, you know, I think we're in the conversation for teams that would be uh, a national tournament teams. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've still got something to show yet here as the last couple of weeks coming to coming to focus. You had a fascinating season so far, Coach. Uh, clearly sitting on the National Committee had some ramifications, I have a feeling. Um, lost the opener to Augsburg, came back and beat Gustavus Adolphus, then lost to Illinois Wesleyan, uh, and then beat Rockford, those games uh, at in Jacksonville, Illinois. Uh, then got a win over 
Bethel, then lost to Platteville, then got a win over Martin Luther, lost to non-Division three Morningside College. Uh, then you went on a bit of an interesting stretch here, beat Bethany Luther and took a break for Christmas, headed out to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken, Dickinson, um, where you beat Delaware Valley 114-107. to 107. Uh, by the way, it might not have been Dickinson. I apologize. Uh, and then beat Hartwick 178. Apparently, you, you were aiming for the century mark in those games. Uh, then got into conference action. Simpson tripped you up. Then you guys went on a roll. Luther just tripped you up the other night. But you're back to winning again. That's a crazy schedule for a team out of Iowa. I'm not. I'm not knocking it for any reason. It's just fascinating to look at. Well. Uh... Yeah, Dave, our closest conference game is two hours and 45 minutes from us. <laughs> and so we have to travel to, to play everybody that we play. And yeah. uh, uh, so we get, we are used to that. We flew out to Reading, Pennsylvania, or Albright's tournament Albright. out there. thank you. Uh, yeah, and we had a great time. Uh, we had a lot of parents that made the trip. And uh, it was really that game against Delaware Valley that kind of changed our season around. To be honest with you, we played not very well the first eight games of the year. You just went through – win-loss, win-loss, you know, that's just kind of who yeah. we were, inconsistent. And we went out there, played Delaware Valley. We executed really well in the, in the overtime games, triple overtime game, and uh, came up with a, a good win. And uh, since then, we have played pretty well. I mean, um, we were 4-4, four and four, I think. Uh, I don't know what our record is. I think, it's, I think we have been 13-2 and two since. And uh, we've just kind of put it together a little bit more. Uh, we are we are a very good passing basketball team. I think we're in the top 10 or 20 in the country in assists. Uh, we've got a good guard court that can pass the basketball. And and uh, so in that respect, we're fun to watch. And when we really get it going and we make some shots, you know, we can get up there in the 90-100-point range. Thanks for the reminder of the Delaware Valley game. Completely forgot that was a triple overtime game. That was an epic one. I do want to thank you for coming all the way to within about an hour and a half from my house when I headed out to Vegas. <laughs> Uh, I would have come to that game if I hadn't been in Vegas for a big tournament that I will I will open the door and say you're always welcome to. Um, I appreciate that. I think I would have rather been in Vegas, to be honest. I, I, like I, can't, blame, I, I can't blame you. Uh, nothing yeah. against Reading, Pennsylvania, or Albright, or Alvernia, or anybody who are in that area. It's not exactly destination location. Um, but what's been the secret? And you said that kind of woke you guys up, that 114-107 game. You then put 100 on Hartwick. Uh, the next night, uh, you put 100 just the other day on Simpson. Uh, not that that's your team, because you've also won game 69-67 to Central. But what what woke up? I mean, what was the, what was the key here that has kind of sprung you guys into the 2015 part of the schedule? That's a great question. I'm not really sure. I would say that we've probably been a little bit better defensively the last 15 games of the year. Um you know, this is my 19th year coaching, and we do a lot of the same things that I now at this time that I did 19 years ago. <laughs> and uh, we scrapped some of the things that we were doing at that time and we just kind of went to some other things, uh, which has helped us. It's just been a, a whole bunch of things, I would say, but defensively have been a lot better. Our attitude has been better as far as, you know, just uh, having a winning attitude. Sure. And, you know, you get a, on a little bit of a run. You know, momentum is a funny thing. Yep. You know, you beat Delaware Valley, and the next day you beat Hartwick, and, you know, you really get the ball in the basket. Um, you know, I guess we did lose to lose to Simpson fairly early in our conference season, but then the next week we played Dubuque and Co., who were, yeah. you know, at home. We beat both those two teams, and all of a sudden you get a little momentum going. And 
that's just really what the game is all about. Any athletic event, it's what it's about. It's it's about gaining some momentum. And uh, I knew we'd figure it out just because I know we got great guys uh, that have a lot of high expectations. Talk about the conference in just a little bit, but I do want to point out that uh, Wartburg was at the D3Hoops.com Classic, so we got a chance to see them in action while you were in, in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. But let's talk about this team. You're led by Cole Darrow, your senior. You've got, what, seven seniors on this squad? Um, yep. He's averaging 15 points a game. Um, Nick Clark, the junior, at 14 points a game. A sophomore in Kennedy Dre, 13.5 points a game. Then a senior in Nick, is it Whoop? Kerr? Webker. 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 Oh, as if the U doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. eight, ten, eight and a half points a game. Of course, Dre's hauling in nine and a half rebounds, and Webker is pulling in five rebounds a game. Should also point out that Clark's hauling in four and a half. Uh, another senior in Alex Savage, and then Brett Heitkamp, a senior, and then Tyler Castantine. I hope I said that right. Yeah, and then, very good. Castantine. There uh, you go. Very thank good. you. And then I run through a whole mess of seniors there. So you've got yeah. your seniors contributing, certainly. They're playing a lot of games. They're playing almost all the games. But you got a couple underclassmen there who are certainly helping take the load off, as it were. But it's senior-driven here. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, Nick Clark and Kennedy Dre, these guys are winners. I mean, they've uh, come from very good high school basketball teams. Uh, Nick Clark, he's a junior. You know, he's one of those guys that's electric. He can put nine points on the board in a hurry. Uh, Kennedy has had quite a few uh, double-doubles for us this year as a sophomore. But, um, you know, the, to be honest with you, their MVP so far is probably Alex Savage. I mean, he's, he plays their two spot for us, and uh, he's got roughly 115 assists and about 45 turnovers. And he's a guy who gets the ball in the right spots at the right time. And uh, he's really the key, been a, a key cog for us. Plus, he's our best defender. And uh, all those things, that he's really played well in the second half of the year. And, uh, you know, Cole Darrow's been, you know, he's a four-year player, Alex Savage is, and so is Cole Darrow. And both those two guys are captains on our teams. And, you know, we expect a lot out of both of those two. And, and uh, they've performed very well so far this year. You got a daunting final two games of the season. And, of course, they're both on the road. You've got a game lead on Dubuque in the conference. Uh, you've got a two-game lead on Coe. And, of course, Dubuque and Coe are your final two opponents. On the road against Dubuque coming up on Wednesday. Then on the road against Coe coming up on Saturday. Talk about the most meaningful week of the season basically boiling down to this one. Uh, isn't that fun? I mean, yeah. to be honest, this is why we coach and this is why we play for these situations. I mean, it's an honor to be playing these games. Um, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. It could be four and eight. And you're just saying, <laughs> well, we're just going to try and get through it. But, sure. uh, you know, the guys have done a great job. Uh, we deserve to be in this spot. But we know how tough it's going to be. Quite frankly, Dubuque, um, you know, I think they're the best team in our league. I mean, I think they, they're athletic. Uh, they're good defensively. They do a lot of nice things out there on the basketball floor. I mean, they're 19 and four for a reason. Um, you know, so it's going to have to. We're going to have to play a really good basketball game over there to win. Uh, but we can't wait to get over there. I mean, we we're used to traveling a lot, and uh, so we're going to get in the charter bus at noon on Wednesday, and and uh, we're going to have the time of our life and see if we can go out there and get ourselves a conference title. Um, of course, talking to Brian Van Haften, uh, head coach for the Buena Vista uh, Beavers, playing um, in the IIAC, and really it comes down to Wednesday's game. You beat Dubuque. You create a two-game lead. 
um, and it's insurmountable for anybody. So the co game could essentially be out of, you know, no longer in play. You lose to Dubuque, and the co game becomes a much bigger game. So really, it boils down to Wednesday. How important? You pointed out the fact it's two and a half hours to your closest conference game. So thus, it's a redundant question, but how important is it to make sure this conference tournament comes through Storm Lake? Well, I think it is important. I think we've we've got to try to do that the best that we can. I mean, I I think if we can win one of these two, I think we'll get that done uh, this week, but we'd sure like to get it done on Wednesday. Uh, But, uh, um, you know, we haven't lost a game at home except for the first game of the year. Uh, to Augsburg at home. Uh, we've played well on our home floor. Uh, we'd love to play at home uh, in our conference tournament. Uh, but we don't mind going on the road either. To be honest with you, you got to get used to it. I mean, if you really want to get somewhere, you know, some of the really good teams I've had in the past, sometimes the best wins are the ones on the road. And, uh, you know, you just go in as a, as a team, and uh, you go in there and, and get some great wins. And uh, we've done that in the national tournament before, and we've done it, you know, in the conference tournaments before. And those are the fun ones when you can go in there and steal one on the road. And, and uh, so you got to be able to do that. And I don't know if this team can do it or not. We really haven't. We've had some good wins on the road. We haven't had a great win yet. So we're looking forward to Wednesday. Talking to Brian Van Afton, head coach of Buena Vista here, uh, NABC Coach's Corner. Coach, you're sitting in fourth in the regional rankings. Of course, the West region, very different, thanks to the fact that the WIAC is officially in the central region like the women has been for so long. Um, so you're in the middle of a, of a maybe lesser region than it used to be, which means you rise to the occasion a little bit, but your SOS appears to be an unofficial 510. Correct me if I'm not wrong. I was under the impression that you had finished up your tour of duty, as it were, on the National Committee. Are you still on the committee, though? According to the handbook, you are. Okay. I, I am. I'm a, got my, my signals crossed. Year of the fourth. Yep. Just it's got a, my signals crossed. You guys have had so many different turnovers there. I can't keep track of them all. I think I've got you and the guy in New England backwards in my head is what happened. Okay. Um, yep. So you know this system better than anybody, certainly, that we talk to on a normal basis. Um, yep. I'm not going to try and, and – I'll, I'll, I'll say this now, and anybody's listening, I'm not going to try and glean out of you exactly how the rankings are working and all that. I just don't want to get your point of view, though, on the task at hand for you guys as a national committee and as a rack. You know, you guys have a lot of data in front of you, and certainly you've got a lot of – uh, of trying to play it off SOS versus win-loss versus head-to-head versus results versus regional ranked. What kind of conversations are you as a West region rack having on a, on these last few weeks and probably will the next few weeks? Yeah. You know, honestly, Dave, this is one of the funnest things I've ever done. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I love it. I love it because... We work really hard on this. Yeah, This is something we spend a lot of time on. And we have a great leader in Jeff Burns this year from Randolph Macon. How much AD. money did he pay you? Uh, I tell you what, he paid me a dollar. Okay. Paid me a dollar, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, uh, Jeff does a great job. Steve yeah. Ulrich has been on it for four years now. This is his fourth year. He is a great leader for our group. And uh, Elisa Halpin from the NCAA is wonderful and uh you know, one of my very good friends from Calvin, Kevin Vanistreek, mm-hmm. is on the committee. And uh, uh, so I have to be honest with you, I really, really enjoy it. And anybody who says that, that uh, and I've heard this before, that says that we don't take it seriously and that we don't work at this is sadly mistaken. Because, really? Uh, 
Oh, man, I'm telling you, we, we spent a lot of time on this. Where do you uh, hear that? I'm kind of curious. Where do you get that? Where where does that kind of trickle down from? You know, last year, I have to be honest with you, when we had the uh, – um, at the Division One Final Four meeting, yeah. uh, there were some questions of the committee, and uh, that question just came up about, you know, do you really know – about all these teams all around the country. Wow. And uh, the answer is absolutely we do. Now, there is no, I mean, it, this is not a perfect deal. I no. mean, Division One and Division Two isn't perfect. So don't don't think <laughs> Division Three is either. Uh, but I tell you what, I think we get it as close as we can. I, you know, I looked at it last year and the last two years, and I'm not saying they were perfect, but I think they're pretty close. And, uh, you know, the, the, the hard part is the bracketing because we have to stay within 500 miles yeah. and all those kinds of things. That's the hard part, and sometimes maybe that looks like it might be a little uneven. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of that's the landscape that we have to play in. And, uh, and so we have to understand that. Uh, but with Elisa Halpin, uh, the NCAA, and all the other friends I have on the, on the committee, uh, it means a lot to us, and uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're not going to be perfect, but we're going to be awfully close, and uh, it's really a lot of fun. There's some great people there, and you know, you've met most of us, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we have a lot of fun together. And uh, but it does mean a lot, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing how this all pans out this year. Hey, um, curious, are you and uh, your buddy at Calvin going to fight it out to be the chair next year? He can have it. He can have it. <laughs> really? You, you you realize, don't you, that when I was a player in college, Kevin was the assistant coach for our team. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Kevin and I go way back. Oh, wow. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, and his, his family and all that kind of thing, and our family, and uh, so we go way back. So it's a lot of fun to be on the committee with him. Yes, I can imagine. Um, coach, give me just – I want to get your take on things – just kind of a shotgun it, as it were, with you guys and the conference. You talk about Dubuque maybe being the better team. If I'm not mistaken, Dubuque is pretty well regionally ranked along with you. Um, but, of course, you're sitting at a you know an average at best SOS right now. Um, from your vantage point, knowing what you know, do you think you've got an at-large chance or do you need to go win this conference? We need to win the conference tournament. There's a lot of good teams out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, I have no doubts. I mean, we've been in a national tournament, you know, nine or ten times in the last few years. Um, I know what national tournament teams look like, you know, as far as when, as a coach, you get on the floor and you look at a team and say, okay, that team belongs in the national tournament. We're a team that uh, you could make a really good case for that we belong in a national tournament. But uh, we, but we're also one of those teams that it's not a guarantee. Sure. Um, you know, I, you know, some of the other teams I've had, there's no doubt we belong in the tournament. Um, I know we're, you know, we should get there, you know, whatever. But uh, this team is probably a little bit more on the periphery when it comes to that. Um, but we're pretty close, and I think we'd be, let's just say we don't win a conference tournament. I think we'd at least be in the conversation when we get down towards the end. Uh, but uh, you know, that has, but. We're going to have to get something done this week in order to do that. So, 
Um, I would say we're probably not. Dubuque could probably have a better chance of it just because their record's a little better. Well, that's kind of where I was going next. Is it one of those scenarios, if you got the AQ, could Dubuque get into the tournament, do you think? Well, it depends. I mean, a lot of things come into play in this. A lot of it has to do with around the country, who gets beat, and all those kinds of things. But I'll put Dubuque and Buena Vista in the same boat, I think, that – they'd at least be in the conversation when you get down to the last uh, three or four teams. Um, certainly you don't want to put yourself necessarily in that spot. I can certainly uh, appreciate that. Um, you want to do the best you can uh, outside of that and win that AQ is, is obviously you know <laughs> fully well. I'm yep. preaching to the choir, uh, yep. as it were, to some extent. Um, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's great to talk Buena Vista basketball, and for those on, who've known this show long enough, great to hear me say the school name right um, without screwing it up some way, some way. Um, as always, I would give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I'm uh, looking forward to this week. We've got a couple of big games this week, and, and uh, we look forward to going over to Dubuque. And, uh, um yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for my guys that uh, they can come out and have a great week this week. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Big game on Wednesday, as we said. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, I know I'll see you in Salem no matter what, but it'd be nice if you're bringing your team along. But nonetheless, good luck the rest of the season, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you, Dave. Yep, Brian Van Hampton joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Shocking that that's that the question would be asked if the national committee knows the teams across the country that they're looking at, um, you know, we can certainly have disagreements with the national committee about, about selections. We can have disagreements about rankings. We can have disagreements about bracketing because everyone has a different vision or, or sees the data in their own way. So you can always have disagreements and conversations and arguments, but I, I've never, never, and honestly, never in my years of covering Division Three on the basketball side of things have I ever thought that the that the committees don't know who they're looking at and don't know the teams. Uh, I've never thought that way, and I've never thought they don't put in the hard work. Um, I can't imagine there'd be other coaches out there, and I would challenge any coach out there who's asking that question to get on the committees themselves. I, it's amazing to me how many times I've seen changes by coaches after serving time on a committee. I mean changing their schedules because they realize what they're doing wrong for at-large opportunities or at least better bracketing positions. I've seen them um, uh, change their point of view of their conference in other ways. If I will say this, and I have no idea who's raising those questions, but my gut tells me it's those who've either never been on a committee or have never been on a committee at least in the last decade, decade and a half, and how much has changed. If, if, if you are a coach or you have heard of a coach who's questioning whether the national or even the regional committees know the teams that they're looking at, tell them to go serve on Iraq and eventually a national committee. Tell them to go do the job. That's amazing to me that that question would come up. Again, you can disagree with selections. We And I have disagreements all the time, but I learn more from those disagreements than anything. I can't believe someone would then turn around and question that. Buena Vista, again, 17-6 overall, 10-2 in conference action. Big game against Dubuque coming up on the 18th. Uh, could basically clinch the games coming through Storm Lake 
which would be huge for the Beavers. Um, and, of course, uh, as Coach says, they got, need to go win that AQ, and we certainly wish them the best in doing so. Um, we've got a little bit more time here on the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, uh, if no one knows, about three years ago, we had one heck of a, a momentous moment in Division Three men's basketball. Of course, Lauren Hill in women's basketball back in November was a tre- tremendous moment. A shine of sportsmanship from both teams. Of course, a sign of respect from the NCAA and many others to allow the Lauren Hill game to be played early. Well, three years ago, we saw an incredible moment of respect and sportsmanship by a team who's getting thumped by another team. Uh, it was a terrific moment for Corey Weissman at Gettysburg. Gettysburg recently put a video together about that uh, anniversary three years ago, and we thought it certainly deserved to be to be played it as well. So, if you don't mind, we're gonna we're gonna play that for you. This is from Gettysburg College. This is the video that they put together, uh, and it's all about the moment back on February 11, 2012, and Corey Weissman and an incredible moment also by Washington College. Uh, take a listen. Uh, and enjoy with us. The, uh, the decision to, to start Corey on the senior day uh, actually took place the night before. Uh, after practice and talking with my assistants, I just, I just felt, felt like, like, hey, here's, here's an, opportunity an opportunity to give, to give Corey, Corey a chance, chance to, to show what he's accomplished to this point. point. Uh, yeah, when, yeah, when, when coach, coach said that Corey was going to start, start I've, I've, I've never been, been so excited not to start in my life. I uh, was so happy for him. And, uh, you know, he deserves it more than anyone to be out there and be part of the starting five, for sure. We had to work out a way to get him in the game and out of the game without jeopardizing his health and welfare. So. Uh, made a late, uh, late night call down to coach, coach and, and uh, we, uh, we, uh, we worked, worked things, things out the next day, so it was all set. It, wor- it worked out pretty well. Gettysburg won the tip, and then it was agreed that they would turn the ball over to uh, Washington. And so Corey was in for the tip-off, they blew the whistle, he came out, and you thought, well, maybe that was it. I don't think everyone knew exactly what he had been through. But people had an idea that this was a big deal. And so in addition to the positive vibes that are already coming from a senior day, the idea that Corey was going to, you know, after all this work, get back on the floor, there was definitely an added energy in the gym. Putting Corey in the game at the end of the game was uh, not planned. It was, uh, you know, starting the game and everything was, was pretty much choreographed. But when we got down to the last four or five minutes, <laughs> the thoughts started entering my mind, like, you know, we're pretty much in control of this game. And, you know, I, I think I can get Corey back in the game. And look at this. Corey Weissman is set to check into the game, getting a standing ovation from the crowd with just 52.6 seconds remaining. Corey Weissman getting the nod from Coach Petrie. Uh, so, so when Coach uh, called Corey into the game, I was actually really surprised. Um, I didn't know what had uh, what the Washington coaches had talked to Coach about, but uh, I was really happy for Corey. He had another opportunity to get into the game. 
you wanted the game to keep going just because you knew how much it meant for Corey. You know, as announcers, we started moving on to other storylines, too. There are two other seniors, Brendan Trelease and Tim Lang. Uh, Coach Petrie was approaching a milestone win, and Gettysburg was playing really well. You know, Gettysburg has that lead, and we start wrapping up the season almost, and then I think applause starts to build, and you look down and you see Corey Weissman's about to check back in. And we realized the story is not over yet. Uh, Coach Nugent from uh, Washington College called the timeout. Uh, I was, I had no idea what was going on. I was wondering why he would call a timeout in that situation as we were winning pretty handily at the time. And uh, I don't think anyone did. Even in the huddle, we didn't really focus on what they were going to do. We kind of just were all in, all right, let's finish the game out, keep playing Corey. And, you know, nothing really, nothing really changed our mindset. We didn't, we didn't know what was about to happen. Timeout gets called. I think everyone's guessing as to what goes on, uh, but I think we all knew it was going to be something special. Corey Weissman is fouled by Flanagan, and he'll head to the free throw line. Corey Weissman will head to the free throw line for two attempts. They took that timeout. I think there was some communication amongst the staff that, you know, hey, this is a pretty special situation. And then there was some communication down to us what was going to take place. And we just made sure that on the inbounds pass that Corey got the ball and, you know, the foul took place. You know, yeah, we're all very competitive. But I think it was just an outstanding gesture of compassion on his staff part and him to, to do that. Corey did get foul. I, I, everyone was just so nervous. But at the same time, we were so confident in Corey. You know, all the, uh, just being there for a year, knowing how much hard work he's put into getting where he was at that point, there was no doubt in my mind it was going to be part of a, uh, a really inspirational experience. And it uh, certainly was. Well, when Corey got fouled, he had to go to the foul line. Uh, it, it, started it started to get, to get pretty tense. tense. Uh, uh, you, you could you feel your heart pounding and, and what was about to take place. place. And, and, and I don't I know don't if know everyone just realized right away the journey that this kid's been on and the accomplishments that he's been through to get to this point. So it was, your eyes started to well up a little bit and you had to hold back your emotions because this was just a great moment for him. The first, the first one, one is, is no good. So when Corey missed the first shot, I was actually kind of surprised. During practice, I would always shoot foul shots with him, and he would make his foul shots. Um, so when he missed that first one, I was like, oh, man. Uh, I was really nervous for him. And the second attempt is good. Corey Weissman makes the free throw, and the crowd erupts. He stepped back up. Knocked down the second one, and I've never been that happy for someone else before. Uh, my reaction when Corey made the shot, I, I started jumping up and down just like the rest of the guys. And just hearing how, uh, how loud it was and everyone in the student section going crazy, it was just such a moment I'm always going to remember, and I know certainly he will and his family. Just being a part of it was an unbelievable experience as a freshman. So the crowd erupted just... Uh, yeah, it wasn't just an ordinary free throw. It represented all his hard work and coming back from that uh, catastrophic injury and had to basically relearn how to walk and do everything over again. And uh, I'm sure it's a process that's still going on, so he really is an inspiration. For Corey to get back on the court and make that foul shot, 
it, it just, just, just meant, meant the world, the world to, him. to him. It, was, it, it, it just, just, it just, just proved, proved that everything, everything he had gone through and everything that he had worked for was worth it. And it was just great to see that accomplishment and his success that he felt like, wow, look what he did. You know, and that has an inspiration for everyone else. So like, when you're faced with adversity, no matter how severe, that you can, you can overcome it. You can, you know, get to work, apply yourself, and, you know, have the confidence it's going to come out positively. No, I think we always hear that, you know, sports has the ability to bring people together. And, you know, what I saw on this campus, the effect that Corey's moment had, you know, proved that exactly right. Tonight, as Corey Weissman, a guy who has fought back after his stroke in 2009, hit the free throw that made the crowd erupt here. Pretty incredible story, that Corey Weissman story is, and you might have noticed it's also available uh, on Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, etc. I'll admit I didn't realize the movie had come out just yet. I had somehow missed that myself. Clearly going to have to go rent that one and go watch it myself, the made-for-TV or made-for-movie um, there, so we will check it out ourselves. But uh, it was an incredible moment, and to be honest, incredible moment. Um, and, of course, that's a Gettysburg take, but the Washington College side of that was certainly pretty incredible itself as, as well. So um, wonderful moment three years ago that we certainly enjoyed covering here on Hoop. So I want to thank the Gettysburg staff there, Braden Snyder, the SID, for putting that together and, allowing, and sharing it with us and allowing us to air it here on the show. Certainly appreciate the time. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Going to wrap things up here momentarily, uh, so we certainly want to hear from you. Uh, again, two weeks left to go, and we've, we've said it all show. This is pretty much the last week of the of the of what was already scheduled part of the season. Um, it's, for some, there are no games. They're already getting into conference action, but as a result, uh, others are still trying to vie for those, so that conference action. So time is running out, and we certainly want to – uh, get you as informed as possible as well. And so please share those with us. Um, you can tweet us, email us, or Facebook us. Um, uh, tweet us at the bottom of your screen. You see at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Right after the show concludes, we'll send out a tweet regarding the Indiegogo fundraising campaign. Please pay attention to that if you could help us out. We really do appreciate it. It's tough to ask for money, but we really appreciate it if you can do so. Um, uh, it would be very much appreciative if you could help, if we could, uh, we could help get that uh, information uh, or that assistance. I'm sorry, reading an email. Uh, that assistance would be terrific um, to help us do more covering Division Three as best as we can. Um, Next Thursday, we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, we will then uh, be back on the air next Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time, the following Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. Of course, then we will tackle um, March 1st, the big Selection Sunday show that we call it, though we may change the name of that. And, of course, Selections and Brackets announced on Monday, big shows surrounding that. 
as well. Uh, regional rankings this week, as of last we heard, will come out on Thursday. Don't think there's going to be a change with that. There was a change initially um, that 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 indicated you know some uh, changes that needed to be made. And the reason being, um, basically. Um, stat servers had to be updated, <laughs> for lack of a better description. Uh, and so those were updated accordingly. Um, but they thought it would take longer, so everything got pushed off. So they, they announced that the rankings would come out on Thursday instead of Wednesday, as they normally do. We'll go back to Wednesday. The following week, remember, we only have two more regional rankings that we will see, total of three. There are four regional rankings done. We just don't see the fourth one, which is done at the end of the season. Again, not because men's basketball doesn't want them revealed, but because the majority of championship committees in the NCAA Division Three don't want them revealed. And as a result, we won't see them. That's a whole other conversation and one I certainly tackled last week. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Ask us questions. We're going to give you about five more minutes to fire those questions off. And we will try and get them answered. Of course, the big question is going to come up tomorrow. Soon the new who is or will be or may not be the new number one team in men's basketball. Again, Whitewater had 14 first place votes. They lost to Stevens Point. St. Thomas had first place, five first place votes. They lost to Concordia Moorhead. Marietta had six first place votes. They lost twice this week to Mount Union and John Carroll. Randolph-Macon, no first-place votes, but sitting in fourth, did not lose. Virginia Wesleyan in fifth, lost. Albertus Magnus in sixth, did not. St. Norbert in seventh, did not. Babson in eighth, did not. Dickinson in ninth, did not. Hopkins in tenth, did to Dickinson. Actually, Dickinson did lose, I'm sorry. They lost to uh, McDaniel back on Wednesday night. So, you know, you could argue. Let's just point it out. Whitewater could still retain first-place votes because their loss was to a pretty good Stevens point squad. Um, St. Thomas could hold on to first place votes because, well, it's only their second loss of the season, which pretty much makes them equal with everybody else, um, except for Albertus Magnus and St. Norbert at this point in time. Um, you could argue first place votes still for Marietta, I guess, but after an 0-2 week, I think that's probably going to be weak. Randolph-Macon could certainly get first place votes because the last time they lost was in December. Uh, I think I shouldn't say that out uh, out loud without knowing that answer, should I? Uh, Yeah, December. Uh, Actually, it was November 30th against Frostburg State. The problem is that's their loss, Frostburg State. Albertus Magnus deserved first plate votes. There may be some voters who say so. Um, I I am not going to be one of those. Um, Does St. Norbert deserve first plate votes? Sure, there's going to be some out there who say they do. I will not be one of those. So in the top seven, there are, uh, I would argue, in the top seven, there are six teams who probably, five teams who probably deserve first place, or you could argue get first place votes, could argue get first place votes. Um, Whitewater, St. Thomas, Marietta, Randolph-Macon, Albertus, Magnus, St. Norbert. I'm, um, I'm sorry, six teams in the top seven. Six teams in the top seven. You could argue could get first place votes. Will they? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. We'll see what happens. Um, Jeffrey 
sends me a tweet regarding the Corey Weissman story. He says, unless Corey knew he was fouled on purpose, I don't like this story. It sends a message that winning is what matters in sport. Hey, listen, um, if you think the Corey Weissman story is not a great story about the fact that he battled back from, from a horrible medical incident, a stroke that took one of the best players in Pennsylvania off the floor, he didn't play. It's his senior year. They honor him at the beginning of the game, let him play, and then took him off the court. Then Gettysburg's getting smoked, so they said, hey, we'll put Corey back in for the last 30 or, I'm sorry, Washington College is being smoked by Gettysburg. They put Corey Weissman back in the game for the heck of it to let Corey get a little bit of playing action. It happens all the time, by the way. We've seen it numerous times. Washington College calls timeout to foul Corey because they wanted to set up a chance for him to earn some points at the free throw line. Not give him a free layup, but give him a chance at the free throw line to score a point in his career. I, I believe Corey did know he was going to be fouled because when the timeout happened, the assistant coach for Washington College went down to Gettysburg and told him, who cares? The Washington College coaching staff decided in an honor, in a tip of the hat to the Corey Weissman story, and they knew Corey Weissman's story very well, that they were going to purposely foul him to let him go to the line to earn the points in his career. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. That's a great story. Especially considering what he fought back from. He was a tremendous high school basketball player. Decided to go to Gettysburg College to play basketball. And before his he got a chance to play his freshman year, suffered a massive stroke. Massive. It took everything to get back into playing basketball again. And he got a chance to earn it from the free throw line. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. That's a terrific story. It's a lie? Jeffrey, I don't know where you're coming from. You got to see the big picture. Look at the big picture. This is about student athletes. This is about the right thing to do. This is about making men and sending the right message. How is that not a wonderful learning opportunity for everybody involved. It showed that it's more than the game. More than the game. The team who's getting thumped by 20 decides losing by a few more points is well worth it. It's about teaching the right story. In Division Three, we get those opportunities because we've got student-athletes who are smart as heck, who got into those colleges because of their smarts. we got student-athlete coaches. we got coaches who've either been those student-athletes or get it in Division Three. This isn't Division One, where it's all about the money for the vast majority of the, of the schools. This is about the well-being and, and, and the mature the maturity and, and the growth of student of the students who happen to be athletes. 
Wow. Missing the point. Missing the point. By a mile and a half. Missing the point. Sorry, Jeremy. I know you didn't mean to disrespect anyone, but look at the big picture. If you don't know the Corey Weissman story, that's fine. Go learn about the Corey Weissman story. Go learn about the Lauren Hill story if you don't know the Lauren Hill story. It's not a sham. It's not a white lie. It's not some cooked up thing. It literally happened at that moment. It's a great message in division, in any sport. Great message. We'll be back on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. We'll be talking primarily East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. However, we also have our City of Salem School of the Week, which we'll probably pull from any one of those regions or the others. It's also that time of year where there's more stories to talk about, so we'll try and start squeezing in some extra guests on top of that. If you have guest ideas or questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, loved hearing your questions uh, throughout the show. Want to hear more from you as we go forward. Of course, big shows coming up as well as we try and break down who's in and out. Don't forget, regional rankings will come out on Thursday, so the show will be our first chance to actually look into those rankings ourselves. Um, I hope everyone is enjoying uh, the season because it is a tremendous season both in men's and women's. We didn't talk a lot about the women's top 25 because there isn't much more to talk about. Thomas Moore being the new number one we talked about last Thursday. But plenty going on. Watch, you took another loss uh, today. Um, there's plenty of other things going on uh, in basketball, and, and it is fun to watch. The season has been a tremendous one, and we certainly hope you're enjoying it as well. Two weeks left to go just in the regular season, then we'll be talking about March Madness. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville and D3Hoops.com. Of course, you can get all your score updates, stories, and, of course, in-depth stories from our regional reporters on d3hoops.com. Don't forget City of Salem, our proud sponsor of the School of the Week, which we'll have on Thursday. You can get tickets to the Men's Basketball um, Championship Weekend there in Salem already. And, of course, I want to thank our help from the NABC as well. We're going to be off the air until we're back here Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show, you can watch the archive of it on YouTube right away. We'll also get the podcast up as soon as possible. That podcast available on SoundCloud. You can also catch it now on iTunes, though I'll freely admit I don't know the direct link. we got to figure that out through iTunes. It just appeared, and we don't know how it got in there, but we will figure it out nonetheless. You listen to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, and support from people like you. Please don't forget the Hoopsville Fundraising Project. We will start uh, tweeting that out a little bit here shortly from the show, um, but please consider that as well as a way of helping us out continue to broadcast uh, and cover Division Three the way we want to. You're listening to Hoopsville. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to thank all of our guests from Baruch. 
women's basketball Kellyanne Barrett, from Mass Dartmouth women's basketball coach Matt Ducharme, from East Texas Baptist men's basketball coach Burt Wepps, from Univista men's basketball coach Brian Van Haften, of course also Josh Smith who gave us our central report, and all the SIDs involved in helping us uh, get this show on the air, get our guests lined up, and of course promote the show as well. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We'll see you back here on Thursday evening. Good night, everybody.